I am Groot. I'm Groot. I'm Groot. We are Groot. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. I am joined by Peaches and Chris. Peaches and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little lad who loves Peaches and Chris. <laughs> Two very different takes on I that. I know. That was <laughs> I remember. Something about that felt racially charged. I don't no. know what it was. It felt like, a ra- like culturally, like <laughs> cultural upbringing was <laughs> yeah oh, you yes, know like yeah. it's you know oh, yeah. Eduardo in one direction yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're a white boy you knew about berries and cream yeah <laughs> we're all into the boys who love berries and cream <laughs> and, and you went with the sexually charged hip-hop number <laughs> that used to play on the school bus in the morning for me. Yeah, bro. Yeah, when I was... I know I've said this before because I remember you freaking out when I said it, but when I was a kid, for whatever reason, going to middle school, on the school bus, they put on the radio, and the radio they put on uh, was a local station called 102 Jams. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) Which you would put on 101.9 because 102 didn't actually work. You would listen to it on 101.9. Oh, sure. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, songs that I heard in the morning uh, on the way to school included Peaches and Cream, uh-huh. which is about sex. Yes, it is. That song, You're Contagious, you remember that one? You're contagious, touch me, baby, yeah. give me what you got. Then a man said, sexy lady, drive me crazy. <laughs> Chris, yeah, we're going to get DMCA'd if you don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Never, they've never gotten me before. They're not going to start now. <laughs> That's fair. I think you just aged yourself, though. I didn't recognize either one of those songs. <laughs> those are the only times I ever heard those songs. I have not heard them since, and yet my brain remembers. Them. Also, I'm just like blown away that your school bus had music. We had to bring our own tunes. I was I was on yeah. the bus with my CD player. Yeah, I think and my big headphones. I think. Uh... And some it depended on what bus driver you had. At least for me, and I think if you were in the same county, were you in yeah. Orange County as well? I was well? in Polk. Oh, okay, well maybe not. Yeah. But in Orange mm-hmm. County, the bus drivers would kind of rotate around, so you wouldn't always have the same bus driver. Um, but they would use there was like a sound system in the bus, and they would sometimes turn it on. Uh, but most of the time, it wasn't very good music, and I would just <laughs> listen to my own music anyway. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we had the same bus driver pretty much every day. Um, I think that they had their own routes. And yeah, she just didn't care and put the radio on. <laughs> Probably wasn't supposed to, but we weren't going to snitch, right? <laughs> you know. I think at least half of my bus rides it didn't matter for me because I was on like I was one of the first kids to get picked up in the morning. Oh, yeah. So I had to be on the bus at like 6:15. So I would wake up tired every morning and then go back to sleep on the bus. So maybe they did play music in the morning and I just don't yeah. Never heard any of it. Who knows? You know what little device I loved that I wish I would just bring back again? We have cell phones now, so I don't need it, obviously. But I had the original iPod Shuffle. Oh, I my yeah. Shuffle. I loved my Shuffle. I loved not worrying about picking a song. I loved just pressing play and letting what happens happens, you know? I really loved it. It was tiny. It was this little thing. It was incredible. I think you just solved why my preferred Spotify listening style is to just go to my liked songs, hit shuffle, and see what happens. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I've been told by people that are like, on, they only make playlists. They're like, but what if you're not in the mood for that kind of song? So you've been talking I, to I, Bailey. Then I switch the song. 
Like, I just go to the next one. Well, I know? talked to Robbie, and he's like, oh, I already heard the song this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not in my 20 songs that I like. <laughs> uh, so now we're, today we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Written Speaking by, of playlists. <laughs> written by James Gunn and Jim Starlin and directed by James Gunn. Wait, Jim Whoa. Starlin gets a writing credit for this? Yes, he does. Technically, there were three writers on here. It was James Gunn, Jim Starlin, and Stanley. Oh, you know, he probably didn't actually contribute the skip. It was like based on characters created by. He's given like a full writing credit on this. Really? Yeah. Huh. I remember because I looked it up because I was writing the notes and I didn't know whether to write just James Gunn or include Jim Starlin. I didn't include Stanley, obviously, but I didn't know where to also yeah, include Jim he Starlin. Won't know. <laughs> Because uh, I wanted to just write written and directed by James Gunn, um, mm. and then I looked it up, and he was like, "This is one of the things he's known for this movie." So hmm. that doesn't seem right to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you can continue and look. That's okay. fine. This will be an interesting one. I think this will be a, an interesting conversation. This movie is can be pretty heavy, but also it's a James Gunn movie. So between all the heaviness, there is a lot of you know space stations made out of flesh. Yeah, and the first MCU movie with the fuck word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So we open this movie with Peter, and he's clearly depressed. You know, since Gamora lost her memory over the past few years, and at their headquarters on Nowhere, the Guardians of the Galaxy are attacked by Adam Warlock, a sovereign warrior created by High Priestess Aisha, who seeks to destroy them for stealing from her. So you know how the other Guardians movie started with big fun dance numbers. Yep. And this one starts with a sad raccoon walking around listening to the most famous song about hating yourself (laughs) in the world. And it's like, okay, this one's going to be different. An acoustic version of it, no less. I was a big fan. It was was a great great intro. It's just like, really lets you know that you're in for something a little bit different from the other two Gardens movies. Yeah, I did like the intro to this movie. Um, I was confused about Adam Warlock because uh, what I had known about him for so long was that he was like this really like serious magical dude. I don't really know anything else about him, just that he's like a serious magical dude. Oh, you haven't learned anything about the comic version by watching this movie. No. <laughs> Literally nothing. No. He is, it is almost like Adam Warlock is, maybe not to the same extent, but it's like the Mandarin once yeah, again. Like they it just is use a, yeah. his name. It is, it is a complete and top to bottom reimagining of the character almost. Yeah. To me, that's maybe the weakest part of this movie. And it's not even that it's like, oh, I really wanted comic accurate Adam Warlock. That ship has sailed because they've already done Thanos and the Infinity stuff. And that's his whole deal is the Infinity Saga or the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Oh, sure. Because he is like the keeper of the Soul Stone and all that. So already that ship has sailed. And that's fine. But he's a, yeah, he's a serious character with like a weird backstory. And this one, and James Gunn has also said this, that he said the hardest part of writing this movie was figuring out what the hell to do with Adam Warlock. He's like, I but you know what he shouldn't did? have put him in the credits last time. No, he shouldn't have. Yeah. You, know what he, you know what he did? He just made a second Drax. That's all he did. Yeah, kind of. He just is serious and dumb. Kind like, of, he, he yeah. doesn't really know. He He's one of the, like, I don't, what what is the name of? of the Sovereign. He's sovereign. like one of the Sovereigns, so he's, like, not very old, right? Like, yeah. He's a... And he's, he doesn't know a lot. His brain wasn't fully developed because he was brought out of his cocoon too soon. Yeah, and, uh, like he's Drax a second time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I would say that's he's probably one of the weaker parts of this movie. It was you could tell it was 
well, I put him in the post credits last time, so I have to do something with him this time. Yeah. And he made it work well enough. Um, but I think he probably would have liked it more and and we wouldn't have noticed if he would have been able to just ignore it and let someone else deal with it. Yeah. So Adam easily defeats Rockus Mantis, Rocket Mantis, Peter, Nebula, and Groot. Craglin's arrow cannot pierce Adam's metallic skin, and even Drax is no match for Adam's strength and is subdued. After critically wounding Rocket, Adam is stabbed by Nebula and flees, and the Guardian's med packs are then useless at healing Rocket's wounds, who has a kill switch embedded in him by Orgocorp, a company led by the high evolutionary Rocket's creator. The code on Rocket's kill switch is 89P13, and then the Guardians travel to Orgo Corp's headquarters to find the switch, uh, the switch's override code and save Rocket's life. Craglin is left in charge of nowhere with Cosmo, whom Craglin considers an, a bad dog. Oh, that's so bad for Cosmo. <laughs> uh, the opening of this movie, I think, starts off really promising. Oh, my God. I'm already, like, painting this and, uh, by saying it starts off promising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I... And then we start getting some of these flashbacks. Some people didn't like the flashbacks. I think we'll probably have some conversations about that. But we start heading to the flashbacks now. Um, So as Rocket lies unconscious, he recalls his past. He was found as a baby raccoon and was experimented on by the High Evolutionary, an alien cyborg scientist and CEO of Orgocorp, specializing in creating hybrid creatures and Rocket's creator, seeking to forcibly enhance all living beings into a special race where he has been credited as cre- as creating the Animen, the Humanals, the Hellspawn, the Sovereign, the Zeronians, and the Star Children to create an ideal society called Counter-Earth. Uh, Rocket befriended his fellow Batch 89 test subjects, the otter Lila, who is... Uh, I hope she found her watch. Linda Cardellini. Uh, the oh, wait, wa- really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, the walrus Teefs. And the rabbit floor. Those two characters might be the best part of the movie for me. <laughs> Chiefs and floor. <laughs> I uh, love them. The high they evolutionary was impressed by Rocket's growing intelligence and used his insight to fix a defect in later human animal batches, but planned to harvest Rocket's brain for further research and exterminate the obsolete batch 89. The High Evolutionary shows Rocket how he has perfected programmed evolution, but for some reason the evolved organisms are violent by nature. Rocket is able to point out specific changes to the evolutionary program that would help control the level of violent tendencies in the evolved organisms. Oh, I'm seeing that this synopsis is like a little out of order because they're talking yeah. about the entire yeah. flashback sequence throughout the, in- the movie right now. They're okay. talking about most of it. They haven't talked yeah. about where they turn and everything, but yeah, they talk about a good amount of it. No, that's next. Right? Oh, you're right. They talk about the whole thing right here. Yeah, right now. I guess we're going to talk about it all right now, (laughs) which is fine with me. So let me finish. After making the suggested changes, the programmed evolution sequence works. The high evolutionary is amazed that Rocket from Batch 89 was able to figure this technology out, but could not figure out that Batch 89 was only an experiment and not meant for the new world he was building. Rocket attempted to free his friends before the high evolutionary killed Lila and mocked Rocket for showing grief over her death. Enraged, Rocket mauled the High Evolutionary's face, whose henchmen killed Tiefs and Floor in the ensuing firefight. Rocket fled in a spaceship. And there was the first time I cried we watching this. <laughs> Rocket, Tiefs, Floor, go now. Like, oh Yeah. <laughs> 
You go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for you because I know this is the uh, a, a a point that I think you'll you'll wanna. This is. I mean, it's hard to watch all this stuff. Like, I I I like a sad movie. I I I don't like watching animals die. Like, and I know someone out there, Patrick. Hey, shout out is gonna <laughs> is gonna. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't like watching animals die, why do you eat them? Okay. Discussion for a different day. That doesn't mean I don't, I enjoy watching harm come to them, mm-hmm. right? Like, I go into horror movies and I look up "Does the dog die?" You know the website like "Does the dog die?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look that up for horror movies to see if I have to mentally prepare myself to watch a cat get thrown into like the jaws of a demon or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I don't like going into that stuff, and so. Part of the movie for me was just uncomfortable because I don't want to watch, like, get attached to Rocket and his friends and watch them get murdered. Like, I didn't like that. But I'm not opposed to sad things. I do like a sad story. I just, I don't know. This is what, this is part of what makes this movie, like, I don't think I ever am going to watch this again unless I need to for some reason because I don't want to relive these moments. And maybe that is what makes it effective. Maybe you could argue that that makes it effective because it made me uncomfortable and that's what Rocket went through, but that doesn't mean I I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you're supposed to enjoy watching The Nice Otter Die. No, I know. But it also is kind of a bummer because almost every bit of Rocket we get in this movie, a character that I really love is in these flashbacks. Like yes, he's, okay, that, that is my actual yeah, problem with this movie. Like, and, and I'm going to like this movie more than you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, the movie's oh, supposed to be about him, and we do get a lot of rocket screen time. Hey, everyone, I'm doing finger quote air quotes. Um, but, like, it's really just flashback and then him doing some pew-pews and sometimes. I say, I say problem, and I, and I don't mean that it's a problem. It just makes it a, a little bit less fun because like it's fun to watch rocket be you know a little scoundrel mm-hmm. and in this one you know he is the main character basically and he has a, tr- a tragic story and it's effective because we love rocket so much and and i think it's great um, but it is also kind of a you know you leave it like oh i wish there had been more I wish Rocket had been awake for more of this. Yeah, um, but I get why he's not because this whole story is about saving Rocket. So, so I get it, and it was the right choice for this movie. It's just an aspect of previous Gardens movies that I did miss in this one. The only thing, the only payoff you really get post all of these flashbacks after they save him is that he saves the rest of the animals on the ship at the end. He like makes the choice to go back and have everybody help him save the animals which I thought was cool. But yeah. other than that, they they go through this whole journey to help wake him back up, like get him healthy again, and then he's just like, he might as well be a background character for a little while. Okay, well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> what else does he do? He embraces who he is and where he came from. He finally accepts that, yes, he is a raccoon, and I don't know if... This was the long game if they've been playing since the beginning. That, And then the third one, he's going to dramatically say Rocket Raccoon. But it, <laughs> yeah. it worked so well for me. Um, I hated it. Of course I, you did. I hated that. Well, and like, I'm going to disagree with Peach here in just a moment about uh, what he was just saying about <laughs> the the flashbacks. But this one part I disagree with you with. I don't like the raccoon. I thought the raccoon thing was a little too cheesy for me. Why? Because it's all about, you know, he's... 
run from his past for this whole life and now he's healing and he's like oh well, i guess i am a raccoon no, yeah here's the problem i can i i, I agree I think that it's here's what all right. Let me go. Let me start from the beginning. I disagree with you because I think <laughs> the uh, peach. He, he peach. disagrees with I peach. I disagree with the peach because I think Rocket goes through a really interesting character arc through this through this movie, this film. I think he doesn't necessarily need to be with the other Guardians to go through that character arc, and I still view him as the main character of this movie. And I like the stuff that we get with his backstory, and it is a it is a flowing character arc. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you about the whole specifically me, him saying Chris <laughs> about him saying Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> Rocket Raccoon. He goes up to this thing. He sees all of the baby raccoons there. We have given this entire backstory. He looks over. He sees the word raccoon. That is his moment of acceptance. Letting them in. Letting them come to him. We have it. It's this beautiful moment. And then five seconds later, he has to go, no, 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 no. You guys didn't catch that. I have to say it out loud. (laughs) My name is Rocket Raccoon. Well, it's him refuting the high evolutionary who was referred to him as It this entire movie sure but he can completely dehumanize he can then have his agency and say i am rocket but the whole like rocket raccoon thing if we're talking about the character arc he already had the character arc like revelation the big emotional moment payoff five seconds ago it doesn't need to be the marvel i am iron man you know like thing it could just be the beautiful character moment that we had five minutes ago like i appreciate some good wordless storytelling and it felt like they had that and they were like you guys aren't going to be smart enough to get this so we got to make sure he says no, it at it's least not once. complete if he doesn't have this moment with the high evolutionary i disagree oh uh, no this is entirely about what the high evolutionary has done to him and it's he is completely refuting he goes no you gave me a number this is my name this is who i am and he is completely could refuting. It, right, but why couldn't, couldn't he, he have just said, I'm Rocket? Right, and that's my point. He could have just said, I'm Rocket. That's like me I, saying, I'm Peach Human. Right, and I find the r- raccoon thing to be separate from him saying, I am Rocket. I am Rocket. I am. A- I have agency. I am my own person versus I have accepted who I am. Like, I feel like he has two battles in this movie. He has the internal one that he has with himself where he doesn't understand. He's like... I don't know what I am. I don't know who I am. And even though he has had all of these experiences with all these friends, he still doesn't understand who he is as a person. And when he sees the raccoon sign, I think he sort of understands, I had a lot of things taken from me, but I get to decide who I am. You know, maybe I am a raccoon, but, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the choices to make this better. Where he refutes uh, the high evolutionary, I think him just saying, the name's Rocket. Like, that's who I am. Because we get that funny scene, that, that wonderful scene where they're all telling each other their, their names. They're like, uh, Lila. And then he's like, I'm Teeves and the wheels. And he's like, Rocket. He doesn't go, Rocket Raccoon. Like, that's not his name. He just says his name is Rocket. The scene is just as powerful with him just going Rocket rather than saying Rocket Raccoon. I know it's like a weird nitpick, but it it's just... It's an incredibly weird nitpick. I, don't, I disagree. To be fair, I, I have it's... a lot of weird nitpicks about this movie, <laughs> so you won't be alone. I just think... It is a shame to have a such such a nice, heartfelt moment moments ago to then go and do the same thing, but out loud. Like I hate when movies I, do that. I completely disagree, but we're not going to get anywhere. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> that's basically my entire feelings with that with that bit of the movie. That's not the that's not the only reason that this movie is like a. I guess I watched that. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. It's just one of. 
Oh, come on, man. I'm allowed to not well, like things. Well, you gave up on the Guardians after the Christmas special. <laughs> I didn't like that either. Yeah. That's why you gave up on I it. I liked one, and I thought <laughs> two was fine. And Two is one of the best superhero movies of all time and i think maybe for okay well let's just <laughs> let's just hold on we've already just been through this robbie agrees uh, with me let's just all right well, where's robbie? Back on and where's show? robbie now okay <laughs> um i don't know for me spoiler ahead i think they were the guardians movies the just the three of them not the christmas special included are in order from best to worst and also in chronological order at the same time one two three two, i disagree one, three. I think it's one three two. It's so really? funny that we all have completely different <laughs> ones. <laughs> I think it's one three two. I think this movie is better than the second one. Mm. I still really don't like the second well, one. Well, I'll get uh, to later why I think this one is not as good as the second one. Okay. Because it's not just this like way that I feel when I watch the raccoon stuff. Sure, sure. You know? So the Ravagers. The Ravagers are an interstellar criminal syndicate that specialize in thievery, trafficking, and piracy. There were nearly 100 factions of Ravagers around the galaxy. Each faction has a captain of its own, leading their operations. Um, and the Ravagers include an alternate version of Gamora. They help the Guardians infiltrate Orgocorp. Peter tries to get Gamora to remember their life together, but she says that it, uh, it was some future version of her and not her who fell in love with Peter. Gamora also points out that the things Peter loves, it sounds like he is in love with Nebula. Orgocorp <laughs> is completely made of organic material. Gamora gets them in via a decompression chamber, but the group is soon discovered. That was such a cool and gross idea, and I really like it. Yeah. I, with, I, the, with the weird organic suits, too. And I really liked the um, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, reference where they're all in the different colored suits. Yeah. I thought that was really mm. cool. I didn't know that was a reference to yeah, anything. I, it's really funny. I thought that they were Power Rangers. A lot of people thought they were references to Among Us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh <is>. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I think the visuals in this movie slap. Yeah, I, I will. I I can't argue with that. Like sure. the the it's a fun movie to look at. Sure. Uh, they retrieve Rocket's file and fight off Orgocorp sentries to be picked up. Uh, Groot who flies in with their spaceship. The group discovers that the code to override the kill switch was removed, with the likely culprit being Thiel, one of the High Evolutionary's advisors. High Evolutionary has used Orgocorp to fund his experiments that lie outside intergalactic law. The Guardians, along with Gamora, depart for Counter-Earth to find him. Gamora argues that this is a trap since the High Evolutionary is looking for Rocket and they are taking him straight to the High Evolutionary. Gamora signals the Ravagers to pick her up, but her communication is intercepted by Aisha, who follows the Guardians with Adam. And maybe I'll stop right here. I found myself, I remember the feeling I had leaving the movie theater when I first watched uh, Guardians 3, and I remember being really positive. I was like, man, I really liked this. I think this was a return to form after Guardians 2. Um, you know, and I really didn't like Guardians 2. Um, Sorry, Chris. You know, it's basically the worst superhero movie. I'd rather watch. Okay, you're okay. You're exaggerating just to piss me off, and it's not going to work. And it's not working, damn it. Uh, yeah, I'd rather Get watch. Get the hell out of my house. I'd rather watch two guys yell at each other about Martha than watch. I'm just Martha. kidding. Martha. <laughs> um, but I remember really thinking that, you know, I didn't really vibe with Guardians 2, but I really vibed with Guardians 3. Then I went to do my rewatch, and I found myself not nearly as captured as I was originally, and I just I had a hard time putting my finger on why. 
Um, Because I remember I was like, man, I remember really loving this in the like I left the theater really positive. I was really into this, and then the rewatch just didn't do it for me. And I think the movie feels a little disjointed at times. I find, and this maybe this is gonna maybe be the spiciest thing I'll say this whole time. I find the the James Gunnification of this and the second movie to be a little distracting. Let's go. Um, Yo. <laughs> he's maybe the best talking. writer and or director Marvel's ever had, but keep going. I find his stuff to, this like the Orgocorp stuff, I think it's a really cool and interesting idea. I also thought it was really weird and didn't necessarily belong in the, like not that it didn't belong in the movie because Guardians, you know, is traditionally things, for a second about uh, these kinds of things, but his, his style, I think... Is supposed to create these points of levity to kind of bridge the gap between these more serious points, and I find them in the first moment being like, "That's funny," and then on the rewatch, I go, "Actually, that's really distracting," and, and, and it really separates what I find are the good parts of this movie. I laughed maybe three times on the rewatch. Yeah, it's not, and it's not that I didn't laugh the first time. No. I thought the movie was very funny. That's the what first I'm saying. Time. When didn't we see it together? I think so. Did some combination of us see it together? I don't remember how I saw it. I did laugh in the theater at yeah. several parts in this movie, and rewatching it, I was like, D- did I laugh then? Did I laugh before? I don't know if my, my humor has changed or anything. I don't know. I find it, it, it sometimes... Like, I find... Like, I found the Rocket stuff. I know you found it a little hard to watch. I found that stuff really beautiful. I thought the story was really well told. I really liked everything that happened in that older section. And similar to how I felt about some of the way that way characters were treated in Guardians 2, you know, I really dislike when some of these characters become sort of the, when we laugh at them rather than laughing with them or laughing, you know, like these characters that, that are going through, that are supposed to be, that should be going through these large character arcs of meaningful change and stuff that can still be funny. You can still have a funny character without just, you know, being the Curly and Moe and, um, and Larry of the, of the of the MCU, um, and I find it all just really distracting. Sometimes it takes me out of the movie, and I found myself several times watching this, being like, "I'm having a hard time staying with it." Yeah. I found myself looking at my phone a few times, being like, "Man, I really want to get back to the stuff that I like about this movie." But every time we have a like a little bit, I find myself taken out of the experience could you uh send me a link to the movie you watch so next time i can actually <laughs> yeah. watch the same one you guys do before we record one of these i don't know if i should just piggyback off you or i should let this be a sandwich because because i want to be like hell yeah brother but you look like you're about to burn your own no. apartment down no i would never do that <laughs> you go ahead you don't get any insurance money if you burn it down yourself oh, that's true you're gonna make us do it and then kick us out I don't get any anyway. I don't know in this place. Hey, on your way out, will you <laughs> strike a match, throw it in the in the ground? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't really okay. have anything to say except for whatever. I I, <laughs> I really just don't agree at I, all with I anything might, that was just said. But I might be wrong about this phrase that I'm using, but it's the f- or this I guess this descriptor that I'm using, but it's the first thing that came to my head, and so I'm gonna say it. And if I sound stupid, maybe I just sound stupid, and that's fine. Something about this movie made me feel like the writing was very pompous. Like, I'm watching this movie by this dude that thinks he is the fucking shit. And I'm not saying that James Gunn is not really cool. But it felt like in this movie, 
a lot of the jokes and the dialogue was if like you think you are the coolest thing since sliced bread and I I'm not like I'm not laughing with you like we were just saying like I don't think this joke is funny the second time and maybe it's maybe it's actually like a you think you're so cool or maybe it's just that like you know there are certain jokes and comedy styles and whatever that like you just don't think is funny for X length of time. You think it's funny for Y length of time. Like I could go back and listen to Dimitri Martin, which I, who I discovered in, sure. I don't know, when I was like 13. I could go back and listen to his stuff forever and ever and ever. And I always think it's funny. Maybe the, the humor style of these characters he created, maybe that died out for me sometime between guardians two and no, the Christmas no, I'm special. With you. I'm with you. And I can't wait to piss off Chris. Some more. Really? The, the... Because I think <laughs> more than any other movie that I can think of right now in the MCU, I don't feel like you can watch Guardians 3 without having to watch 1 and 2 first because you just get thrown right back into these characters and you're like, is that guy supposed to be that stupid? Am I supposed to listen to Mantis yell at everybody? Like, what is happening right now? I don't really know. Unless you already have a lot of time spent with these characters, I feel like you can't enjoy what they're supposed to be doing in this movie as much. But then also, I'm tired of the... I am dumb Drax stuff. I am tired of that. It's weird because like, like I said, I can listen to Captain America say I could do this all day, all day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He can say that line a thousand times and I'll go, yeah, I'll clap my little monkey well, you hands. Know what the difference is it's cause it's okay here. Now I'm going to make Christmas. <laughs> it's because it's, it's actually clever. And I find the James Gunn style of humor to be that of like when a guy like is walking in his yard and he steps on a rake and <laughs> the rake comes up and it hits him in the face and it's funny. Yeah. But after you watch somebody hit themselves in the face with a rake 12 times, it's not, it's, it's that one of the funniest scenes ever on the Simpsons <laughs> is sideshow Bob stepping on rakes for like a solid 60 seconds. Correct. <laughs> because it's clever. It is a clever, it is, it is a it is a it, it plays on itself on the the wackiness of it. A lot of the jokes in this movie in my opinion aren't that clever. Even yeah. the get in the fucking car isn't actually that clever the second time or like the the like fumbling with the button kind of funny, but just like yeah. the the act of being like, "Oh, he said a bad word." I'm more excited about them saying fuck yeah, than the actual joke there. I think that's But let where- me let me add to my feeling of like this is pompous. Because the other thing that contributes to this are just a couple of specific scenes in the movie where I'm like, yeah, you really think you're so fucking cool. Like, why did we need to have, I don't remember exactly how many, but I know there were at least three scenes where the entire Guardian squad is walking in a line toward the camera. I don't need three of those scenes in the movie. Mm. I don't need two of those scenes in the movie. But one at the beginning and one at the end maybe is fine. But I don't need a whole bunch of them. And there were a couple of very strange transitions from one scene to another. Hallway fight, fucking love that hallway fight. Oh, that was fight. amazing, yeah. That fight is incredible. And then it ends like a, like a snap, and they are awkwardly running toward the camera. I did think that was a weird transition, yes. And yeah, at the very end of the movie, when the movie's over, snap right into... So what are you guys doing after this movie? 
Well, I'm not going to be in the franchise anymore. I'm going to go hang out with my grandpa. I'm not going to be in the franchise anymore either. I'm going to go hang out with these beasts that I befriended on the it's ship. It's called a conclusion. See I know we're not used later. to those in comic book movies. But, uh. I know what a conclusion is, but it's an awkward one. It feels so forced. Just let... The, like, it felt very strange. It was. It felt meta, but in a bad way. Like, they're talking to me, but not in a fun She-Hulk or Deadpool way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it's it, people it, going their separate ways saying goodbye to each other. No, but, but yes, a, that's how it works. No. Yeah, but they did it in a clumsy way. I, I'm yeah. with you. I think what's so clumsy the about the clumsy of we're gonna have one last meeting where we go. It's like that scene at the end of Mortal Kombat Annihilation <laughs> when they're <laughs> yes. like, "I choose Mataro," and it's I'm gonna fight. You know, <laughs> or that scene at the end of Endgame where everyone was at Tony Stark's funeral. And... Yeah, but that's. It's <laughs> that was well written. They though. don't all go and stand in a circle and go, "Well, this is what I'm doing with my time yeah. now." Like it is. There are levels. Like there are different like crescendos and decrescendos, and so, people go. So off we and like work. it when a bunch of jackasses stand in a circle in the first movie. <laughs> yes. But when they get one final circle, a team meeting, like teams sometimes have. <laughs> yeah, but when you end your movie, it feels clumsy. Like it doesn't feel elegant. In the way in where everybody is going, oh it also God. it also feels like <laughs> Chris. I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't either. What the hell? What the hell? I'm so sorry about I my just, feelings. I just cannot understand it, where either of you are coming from I, on this. I don't know. I'm with you, dude. Uh, this is I'm so rare. <laughs> I'm with you, yeah. I found it inelegant. I found that you know he could have done more. Like I found. A lot of the things about the characters didn't make a lot of sense. Like, it, some of the stuff about Mantis made sense, and we haven't even gotten to the ending yet. But like, where the characters end up, kind of don't make sense. A few of them for me, like why they end up where they go. Uh, Drax kind of makes sense. Peter, not really. Uh, you know, maybe like a little bit. Uh, just- Finally, coming to terms with his past and saying, you know what, I need to stop running away from what I've been running away from for thirty years. Yeah, if we actually Doesn't explore that even a little bit, yeah, then we yeah, barely be, touch it except yeah, for four point. seconds in that movie. That's my point. Yeah, in I this would, movie, I would agree that would be a really fun and interesting thing to explore if we ever did. Instead, we talk about it for five minutes, and then suddenly he's like, "You're right, guys. I'm gonna pretend like I had a whole arc in this movie, and then go do the end of it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel earned." <laughs> I mean, I'm so sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> We've had two full movies up to it at this point but well that's but but i mean that's something that we come back to a lot is that aren't aren't a lot of these movies on one hand supposed to be stand they can stand on their own yeah but you can have themes and ideas that carry through an entire trilogy and make the trilogy a cohesive storyline i don't know which is what they did here but I just I can't I can't really fully agree with you. It's just all these things that, that Hurry up, get to the end so we can recommend stuff. No <laughs> <laughs> We still have so much movie plot. <laughs> I am gonna go on for a long time in the recommendation <laughs> section too. Um I actually don't have anything to recommend. Really? No, I it's told, been so long. I told you all I've done is watch Godzilla. No, that's true. Like three times. <laughs> it was great. Good. Yeah. I saw it in black and white once. Was it better without children screaming through Absolutely. the whole movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, I don't know. All that stuff combined, it just it, it just kind of felt like a I'm doing this cuz I have to and you guys will eat anything I put on your plate because I'm James Gunn. That's I think that's more that's better than pompous is no, you'll like it cuz I'm me. 
Maybe that is pompous. I, I don't know. Because it was good, but okay. I like, <laughs> I, I, the reason I like the first one so much is I think it's a more focused, concise product, and I think the restrictions put on him in that movie led to a better movie. I think that mm. first one is... Honestly, it's like a near perfect Marvel movie for me. Marvel movie, not movie, but Marvel movie. As far yeah. as Marvel movies go, I think it is incredible, and I think it's because it is—it's not allowed to go so far that it, it like it feels sometimes like these movies lose their it, they 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 lose their way sometimes throughout the, throughout the movie. Um, I felt that way definitely about Guardians too. I feel that way less so about this one, but still about this one. Um, like. Uh, Either be, for my opinion with like James Gunn's movies, either be like Guardians 1 where you are following, you know, what the studio wants you to do when you're, you know, you're adding your little twists here and there, but you're still kind of like making a Marvel movie or do what you did with the Suicide Squad um, and just do your own thing. Because when he is allowed to 100% fully do his own thing, I think it is to great success. Great success. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this pre-recording, but now I'm even more curious what you would think, Chris, about watching The Suicide Squad. Because I don't think it's going to change how you feel about this no, movie or any of the other Guardians movies. Yeah. But I'm curious how you think that like direction and all like this sort of stuff that we're talking about now, like how that plays out in that movie and how you feel about it. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, it's not as deep. It's the first movie right in that universe that he created. I, I mean, what are there other things that are connected to the suicide squad? It's the emancipation of Harley. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, technically, technically, technically the first, the first was, right? All the man of steel stuff. It's all part of that. Oh, sure, thing. sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I never know with them anymore. Yeah, it's confusing. It'll, it'll start making sense eventually once they actually start clean. But even that, I yeah. think it's not going to make 100% sense because there's still like a second season of Peacemaker coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Anyway. It's very confusing. I'm, I'm sorry that we just. It's okay. <laughs> we just hurt you for 10 minutes. <laughs> I have to be true to my feelings on the movie, Chris. I should have. Inv- I wish I'd had somebody else to invite on the show to. <laughs> So I wouldn't just be alone here. Yeah. I mean, Robbie told you that he liked it. Yeah. That's all the ammo you have, though. Oh, Danny liked it, too. Oh, okay. I'm not saying I dislike the movie. I can have qualms and problems with it and still like the film. Yeah, I wouldn't put, oh, this, yeah, in yeah. The, I wouldn't put this in the dislike category. No, th- but... I think there was more that I like about this film than I dislike. I just do have some problems with it. That's uh, That's fair. I mean, I have problems with it, too. I just... They clearly are not sho- the same. I'm just problems. shocked at what your problems are. Is <laughs> 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 all. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, while we're just talking about problems, while we have, while we have one How more thing. How many problems do you have? Because 99. Have oh, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know if if it's gonna say this in the the script or whatever. But there's this one point in the movie where like I couldn't wrap my head around why Gamora would have made this decision. Why is Gamora? Why is why Gamora? Is Gamora? <laughs> where where she is like. For the first, I don't know, two or three scenes with them involved, she's like denying everything that Peter says. Like, we're not a thing. We were never a thing. That's somebody else, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point, she tries to use Nebula, you're my sister, as like leverage over some situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why she can understand that in this universe, she and Peter are not a thing, but she can't understand that that's not the same Nebula as her Nebula. Well, it is it's just a nebula that has lived several more years and matured 
or is she still well and but no. why is she like no nebula you're my sister have my back also fuck this peter guy like well i i it's kind it, of like i'm gonna she remembers nebula she doesn't remember i'm peter. gonna side with chris here i'm also gonna cite this isn't a sides thing this is something that i thought was strange uh, i'm gonna cite endgame where they have an entire like there's a section of the movie in Endgame where it is about this Gamora and Nebula and them sort of realizing together that they both have, like, their, their issues are not with each other. Their issues with are, are with Thanos. And they mm-hmm. have been sisters previously to this point. Like, yeah. it isn't, it, unlike Peter yeah. who meets Gamora later on, she has known Nebula for a long time. And they do have that coming together as sisters moment. Even when they, like, meet up, like, in this movie clearly the only person she's had communication with is Nebula. And although they, they greet in a really weird way where they sort of grunt at each other, Ugh. it's definitely yeah. like a, oh, they're family type thing. I guess that's yeah. fair. I'd it be just curious. felt weird. I wonder what the plans, what plans he had for the third one before he was told, by the way, we're killing one of your main characters in Infinity War. That's a tough yeah. one. That is a tough one. I'm sure this would be very different. That was a hard. I feel like that was a hard hand to be dealt, and he did the best he could with it. Yeah. That, but like, yeah, I, I'm just curious, like, what that would have been like, because it was like this weird extra element in this movie that was necessary because of what had come before. But it was still, it was like, okay, and there's this other thing going on, too. Do we know for sure that's something that they wouldn't have made him aware of, like, I guess as soon as they knew? But well, I guess no, how it, soon did they know? Yeah, that's the thing, is that, like, it was, I think, during, possibly like, during the production of Guardians 2 that he knew. Oh, um, yeah. If that's the case, you he, can't just... He helped, like, yeah. he helped with the scripts of, for both of them. I think I remember seeing, like, back when Infinity War came out, like, them talking about how they, like, called him up and like, hey, we're thinking we might want to kill Gamora. And he's like, yeah, that's fine, you know? He's like, I'll roll with it because that's... That's what it's like working in a shared universe is sometimes when you have to share toys, sometimes someone is going to do something with one of your toys that you weren't anticipating and you have to be able to roll with it. And And I think that's a a skill, talent, whatever. I don't know who wants to say talent. It's just a, a characteristic that you have to have if you're going to work in one of these. Like yeah. as a writer or a director, you have to understand that, you know, Yes, I'm making a sequel to my movie, but I have to remember that these other movies happen in between with some of my characters. Yeah, and, that's uh, fair. And it's got to be kind of difficult at times, but you have to be a team player. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that that's both ends too, right? Because don't you kind of... I would expect you'd kind of be expected to write in such a way that like other people later could mess with your story. And I think that's why the this movie kind of ends the way it does. Well, first of all, I think... Nobody dies because I think he's too sentimental. I, that's my mm. theory, is that he couldn't kill any of them because he loved them all too much, um, which is fine with me. I saw those people saying, oh, somebody should have died. I'm like, you don't need somebody to die in every conclusion. I, I don't care. Um, but he does leave a Guardians team for someone else to pick up down the road. You know, he's not going to make this Guardians story is done, but there is still a team called the Guardians of the Galaxy with a few characters we know and a few characters that are new. And somewhere down the line, the Guardians can come back. Sure. You know, so you kind of that's something that happens in a lot of comic books too when someone finishes their arc you know they come to a conclusion but there's still enough pieces left on the table for the next person to come and pick it up and tell their own story mm-hmm. and sometimes that story will just spin directly out of what the other person just did sometimes it'll go a little bit differently so yeah I, 
you know, it's nice that he didn't kill everybody in this one. So they there. If I can't do the Guardians, no one can. <laughs> <laughs> there I go down with the ship. Yeah. I'm off to DC, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so the Guardians reach Counter-Earth and are guided to the Art Laboratories Complex. Drax and Mantis remain with Gamora and Rocket, while Peter Quill, Groot, and Nebula travel to Art. Arte? Arte. Nebula is forced to wait outside the complex by guards as she is armed. Quill and Groot enter to meet the High Evolutionary, while Drax tricks Mantis into pursuing uh, Quill's group. As Quill's group is engaged in banter by the High Evolutionary, he launches an attack by his guards on Quill's ship to retrieve Rocket. Gamora saves Rocket from being captured by Adam and the High Evolutionary's guard, Warpig. Adam kills Warpig as he wants to present Rocket to the High Evolutionary and save the Sovereign. Generals gathered oh, in war- masses. Yeah. One of the... I have a unrelated story that you just reminded me of. Oh, by singing out. Black Sabbath? Yes, that reminded <laughs> me of, of a story that has nothing to do war with pigs. this. So War Pigs, one of the great anti-war rock songs of all time. Mm-hmm. I went to a football game this past year. It was in November. It was around Veterans Day. Salute to service. And they briefly played this song over the uh, loudspeaker. I'm like, oh my God, what a what a, <laughs> what a terrible choice. <laughs> what a terrible Why? choice. I don't know. I think they just didn't think about it they're just like oh uh, yeah people like black sabbath i'll yeah, show I'll you yeah um the other thing is you know who plays Warpig in this uh yes no. i do because it's written right here oh it is oh, i guess i could judy greer yeah it's another it's another double dipper hmm she's uh you know scott lang's ex oh yeah interesting yeah we have a, we have a couple people the guardians of the galaxy movies have given us more Double dipping actors uh, in the MCU than any of the other ones, because mm-hmm. um, Michelle Yeoh was in Guardians two, briefly in a cameo at the end, and then oh yeah, then she played a different role in Shang Chi. Yeah, and then you've got you know, these ones, you know, they're just voices, so it's it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Nathan Fillion in all of them? Nathan Fillion was playing different things. He did a voice in the first one. He got cut from the second one. Uh, he was actually playing. Wonder oh, Man in that one, right? In the like, it was post credit. It was, was it supposed to be. It was posters on Earth for movies that he was starring in. Oh, okay. That ended up not. Well, oh, that doesn't feel like it would have needed to get cut. Yeah, um, we, we probably already talked about. But now that. we're getting a different actor playing that role. Yeah, um, in the upcoming TV show. So. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first time Nathan Fillion got to show his face on screen, <laughs> in a Marvel movie. Questioned by Quill, the High Evolutionary admits this version counter-Earth society is imperfect, so he bombards the planet, killing the the human animals as well as Aisha. This enrages Adam, who considered considered Aisha as his mother. (laughs) Adam's ship is destroyed, and he has no other option but to take shelter with Gamora. Oh, I want to... Now that all the human animals are dead, I just want to say... God bless makeup and prosthetics. I'm, I'm I really appreciate their dedication to putting people in freaky makeup in these 150%. movies. Yeah, that was a that was fun to look at too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad this movie is up for an Oscar for visual effects. Hmm. Um, honestly, probably should have been up for makeup. Um, I don't know if it actually is. I I'm hoping Godzilla wins <laughs> visual effects. With the budget they had? With the budget they had. I mean, they made it for less than $15 million, and it looked that good. Yeah. Um, 
But I will say, I think Rocket and Groot are two of the greatest CGI characters that have ever existed. They feel 100% real. Oh, like the whole time, too. Not just in yeah, this movie. Yeah, this but, entire yeah, series. Sure. Yeah, they've always looked great. They yeah. are... Uh, I'm going to just say something random here. They are the best CGI characters that we have seen in a movie since Davy Jones and the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Hey! Because hmm. I think that character set the bar of like, Would yeah. you, this is what a good CGI character That's looks fair. like. Would you put uh, Davy Jones over Gollum? Ooh, because I think I think Davy Jones set the standard, and I think Gollum. I think Davy Jones is about the visuals, and Gollum is more about the performance. Okay, that's fair. That yeah. is fair. I think a lot of what hinges. I don't think Gollum looks. Gollum looks good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's what. It's not not about the way that Gollum looks that makes him so cool. It is Andy Serkis's incredible performance as Gollum. Yeah. Whereas. You know, the performance for Davy Jones is fine. You know, it's good. But the visual effects that make Davy Jones look the way he does are out of this that world. Movie, those movies are almost 20 or twenty years old. Are the first you, one's hey, 20 years shut old. Shut the fuck yeah, up. Shut I know. I, I, it's, a, it's a thing that I absolutely hate. I do not like that that is true. But it is incredible how well those effects You know, are. Robbie yeah. in the group chat in, in relation to our music league was talking about how Green Day is like 30 years old and mm. I also wanted to tell him yeah. to shut the fuck up. We yeah. gotta stop. We need to stop saying what the ages of things are. I think I've told this story before but I remember being in line to see Jurassic World and realizing there was like a little like a six or seven year old kid in front of us who was also going to go see the movie and i realized that the original jurassic park came out longer ago to this kid than the original star wars did for me oh boy yeah i i you know i love math but when we're doing it math we're using math for this kind of stuff yeah fuck math it's terrible how old do you think that kid was i would say he was like seven or eight Okay, well, that kid is now uh, probably like 17. Oh, no. Because <laughs> oh. the movie was uh, uh, like eight or nine years ago. Oh, my God. Was it really that long ago? Yeah, it was Jurassic 20, World? 2015. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Well, that's not fair. COVID <laughs> happened. <laughs> and and I was, don't know how long ago anything was and anymore. COVID was like three years in that one year. Yeah. <laughs> what the shit, man? Yeah. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> uh, I do want to say a scene that I thought was really, really cool was the. I mean, and obviously it's cool because it's cool. Uh, where Quill and Groot's fight on the spaceship. Oh yeah. On the like station thing where uh, Groot like opens up and he has all the guns hidden. Oh yeah. I like uh, how they reinvented Groot every single movie, including the uh, Avengers. I agree. Yeah. And I think it's also like I think lots of people. I think James Gunn. I've said I think like three times. Uh, James Gunn has. <laughs> Therefore, said, you are like three times. <laughs> <laughs> James Gunn has sort of said. I think he said it overtly that this isn't the same Groot. It's right. Not yeah. Like, he said this. This is like Groot's son. This is like Groot's son. And I think some people were like, no, nah, it's still Groot. Like, it's still the same. And he has grown up to be a very different Groot than the Groot that came before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I love seeing that the difference in this Groot versus the one that we originally had. Yeah. No, I, I think it's cool. And he's physically different. And he's even different, even more differenter <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the post-credit scene. Yeah. 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 I also like that there's a mode called full kaiju, but of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the art departs as a spaceship with Nebula, Drax, and Mantis on board, uh, trying to rescue Quill and Groot, who instead escape 
with Thiel, who they kill before retrieving the code from his corpse, uh, and they are then rescued by Gamora in their ship. As Quill's group uses the code, Rocket flatlines and has a near-death experience in which he reunites with Lila Tiefs and Floor. He learns that Lila uh, that his time he learns from Lila that his time has not yet come. As Quill uses the code to disable the kill switch and restart Rocket's heart. Chris, I want to talk to you about this. Okay. How do you feel about <laughs> this death and the way it is presented and the whole thing? As far as the the Rocket death. Oh, um, See, I don't even think of it as a death. I mean, he flatlines for a couple seconds. I thought, <laughs> I thought that it was. It felt to me like what the movie had been building up to the whole time. <laughs> yeah, because thematically, where do you go if Rocket dies in this moment? So I never, for a second, believed that Rocket was going to die. Um, because because I just don't know what that says, what that does for the story or anything. So it worked for me when the only thing that I think didn't work for me in it is she has the line about this has always been your story i'm like that that feels too outside of the movie for me um just because you're going it's very clear that rocket is james gunn's favorite um and he said before that rocket is the reason that he wanted to make these movies in the first place and that's cool i think that one particular line just feels a little bit too removed uh saying this has always been your story you just didn't realize it that that to me that's that's the on the nose line not the rocket raccoon thing that that's the one that doesn't quite ring true for me but other than that it works for me when she says you know it's you can fly with us but not yet like uh, i liked that 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 got me a little choked up chris i want you to know that i had decided to do this before peach and i had <laughs> oh, no. went and did our thing i okay. was like i've got this gotcha lined up for chris uh, in this movie, just for fun, uh-huh. um, and I'm gonna do it now. And I apologize because I did not mean to then add it on to our okay. thing earlier. Your Honor, I'd like to bring into evidence Toy Story three, and Chris does not like the movie Toy Story three. And why don't you think he likes the movie Toy Story three? Okay, Peach? that's not no, true. No, hang on. Is it? Hang does on. That have to do with the incinerator? It has to do with the incinerator. Chris does not like that they fake you out with killing the toys and then are like, just kidding, we're not going to kill the toys, and then they have an entire other part of the movie. Mm. Just like our defendant, (laughs) Rocket, and he says his last name is Raccoon. Okay, do you not see the numerous differences between these? First of all... Yeah, that they're not toys? Yeah, I do see that. Okay, first of all, I like Toy Story 3 quite a bit. (laughs) Um... It is one of those things that, in retrospect, I have said the incinerator scene feels a little, a little much. It still like made me cry in the theater, and you know I don't hate it. It just feels a little much. But there's a difference between a uh, oh my god we're all gonna die at the end and there and oh this character who has been dying the entire movie and then having a final vision before coming back to life. Like I don't think they're the same at all. But I think my issue with that and I actually have. It's not a big issue, but it's a little bit of an issue. I think my issue with it is the promotion material. I have an mm. issue with using promotion material of them clearly being like, 
who's going to die? And, you know, you see that scene of that scene of Peter screaming no was plastered everywhere in all of the trailers. And it was clearly... Oh, his mouth is really spitty. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. yes. I've seen it like a hundred <laughs> times because I saw all those trailers a lot. Okay, do you remember how the trailer had them carrying out Peter's body? Like, oh my God, what happened? And yeah. he was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> in the first scene. And yeah. that's what it was. I think it works in the movie. I don't have necessarily an issue with it in the movie. I have an issue with the way that it was advertised and the way it was sort of presented previously. Um, but I think in the movie it works. Like I don't think yeah. it's like okay. who's gonna okay. die? Right. No one. It's right. like Nobody. hey, could I have a um, uh, Coke? Hold the blueberries. <laughs> yeah, we don't put blueberries in Coke. I, that's what I just said. <laughs> I don't want blueberries in my Coke. <laughs> well, and like it's the annoying part is that I agree. I think you don't need to have a death to make a movie. To, to, to make a resolution feel earned or important. I don't think you need someone to constantly be in fear. Like, this isn't Game of Thrones. You don't need something. Like, it doesn't have to be like, everyone can die at any moment for there to be actual stakes. Mm-hmm. But if then you are advertising your movie to be like, this is what you guys want. We're killing someone. <laughs> <laughs> I will slightly... This, this isn't me disagreeing. This isn't me disagreeing. This is sure. just kind of a, a taking the conversation somewhere. Is that, you know, the marketing, if you look at it, what it's showing is, hey, these characters are going to be put through the emotional ringer here. This is the finale. And I think it's just the way that comic book movie press works that everyone goes, who's going to die? Uh, so I don't know if that I 100% put that entirely in the marketing because really what they're showing is that this one's going to be a tough one, guys. Uh, but as far back as like Civil War and then the you know Infinity War and Endgame, and then granted you know Endgame did kill a couple people and all that, but it's still like you know Civil War. Everyone's like, who's gonna die? Who's gonna die? And the answer is nobody, and people were upset about that. And it's like, but you know they weren't asking us who was gonna die. People were asking this because they remember how the comics went, and there's just this whole machine of content mills out there who are like you know we have to write a thousand articles about this movie and it doesn't come out for another seven months and how do you do that here are best guesses as to which guardian is going to die Um, so i think it's not even so much the marketing as the hype cycle in general hype cycle where i will disagree with that which i don't i don't disagree fully i definitely think that the the it is a com it's, it's a multifaceted combination of people wanting it to happen sort of like expecting it like well, we have to be leading to one of the guardians dying it's what has to happen where i disagree is where in the marketing i do feel like it's pretty clear in the marketing that they're insinuating that someone dies because that scene of peter screaming he's clearly in some sort of hospital there's like an ekg behind him oh yeah like i think it it is I think from that one scene, it's like, oh, someone's dying. See, whenever they show me a scene like that, I immediately think, okay, no one's dying. (laughs) You're like, it's a fake out for the trailer. They wouldn't have shown us this in the trailer if someone's actually dying. That's fair. That's That's also fair. Maybe I'm just gullible. Maybe that's a problem. (laughs) Some reverse psychology there. Yeah. I almost think, too, it's like like a a statistics thing in a way, too. Like, not real statistics, but Mm -hmm. like, we've gone X movies where nobody has died Someone has to die now because yeah. that's what statistics say. This is I'm not not mm. actually quoting stats, everybody. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Making yeah. shit up. Sure. But 
The uh, law of averages, yeah, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> no one's died in 12 movies. Someone has to die in the 13th. That's how luck works, yeah. you know? Like, I don't know. That might be part of it, too. Sure. So Drax, Nebula, and Mantis encounter several genetically modified humanoid children on art before being captured by the High Evolutionary. The High Evolutionary wants Peter to bring Rocket to him in exchange for the captured trio. Peter contacts Kraglin on the Nowhere to Help. The High Evolutionary tells his advisors that in thousands of generations that he created, only one experiment led to true intelligence, and that was Rocket, which is studying, which is studying him, which is why studying him is critical. The other Guardians stage a rescue, leading to a battle against the High Evolutionary's forces. Kraglin fires on uh, the spaceship with Nowhere dooming the spaceship. Kraglin <laughs> and Cosmo. I think it's Arete. Arete is yeah. that what it is? Uh, then help to save Nowhere citizens from a counterattack by the High Evolutionary's Hellspawn. I also found... <laughs> oh, no. I found an issue with this because it just kind of felt unnecessary. Like, why did we need to have the whole Hellspawn thing? Like, I don't know. Like, couldn't the fact that the s- space station was crumbling, it was going to explode at any second... It's your typical raising of stakes final act of a superhero movie. I've learned to live with them, even though when I don't love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I, I <laughs> you know. yeah, you know, like I just I didn't understand why the Hellspawn, like why was there, why were they added there? But yeah, I agree. I think it's just like a hero, superhero thing that's added. I don't think it's necessary. I think the whole like shooting into it and then being like, oh shit, our friends are still on there. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. I think that I think having to rescue people is enough of a climax. Right, I agree, uh, and I I wish that more. Movies would believe in themselves in you know enough right. to do that. And yeah, because the movie is two hours and thirty minutes long, right? right. Like, yeah. do we need the that scene? Is it just because we needed Mantis to go away with them in the yeah. end? Yeah. Well, and they like they like fight. It, it feels like they are introduced to give Cosmo and Kraglin something to do. It's because like, well, we put mm. them in this movie. They need to fight someone. Oh, I'm so thinking gonna... of something else. But oh, you're yeah, thinking yeah. of the 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 beasts, yeah. the things that I keep wanting to call Rathars, but that's Star Wars. Oh, yeah. oh, now, I'm, now I'm picturing it correctly. Yeah. The yeah. Abelisks. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Hellspawn. You know how they like create, not create, but like activate all of these guys. Yeah, yeah no, no, the no, big no. guys. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah I just I didn't it. understand why they were there. even there. Like, yeah, I could like you could have just yeah. I agree. I think. And I think that is a problem that I'm having just sort of in general with superhero movies. Like, the stakes don't need to be the army against the army. It could just be about saving people. It could just be about, like, it doesn't have to be what we expect uh, from it. And I think it, uh, it it's better when it's not like you're still going to get that big fight with the High Evolutionary, which is going to be a good scene for Rocket. You're still going to get, um, you still had the hallway scene, which was an incredible, like, your full team is back together. It just felt like they added these guys in for not a, like, it didn't feel like a like a good reason for them to be there. I can watch that hallway scene like three times, though. Yeah, the hallway yeah. scene is incredible. Oh, man, that fight so is so good. I, I I'll never get tired of one take hallway fights. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> How are they yeah. all so good? Yeah, I'm excited to talk about a one take hallway fight later. About my recommendation, oh. uh, Cosmo is revealed to have telekinetic abilities. Intent on retreat, the High Evolutionary's crew mutiny, only to be killed by their leader. Drax, Nebula, and Mantis befriend three monstrous obelisks to escape and reunite with Cole's group. The Guardians delay leaving Arete, choosing to rescue the children created by the High Evolutionary, who escape to nowhere via a tunnel constructed by Cosmos Telekinesis. Um, I do want to say that there is kind of an underlying kind of secondary plot happening in this part where Nebula is just fed up with Drax and Mantis and they both kind of get to demonstrate 
what they actually do bring to the team in these moments where Drax is able to relate to the children and Mantis, you know, is there to, you know, using her empathic powers is actually able to calm these creatures, you know, and they kind of show like, hey, we're not useless. We we do add to the team here. And this is, and now I'm, I'm headed back in Chris's direction. This is why I like this movie better than Guardians 3. Mm. I feel like Drax's story in this is much more complete and earned than it is in, in in Guardians 2. I have a problem with Drax in Guardians 2. I've said it on the podcast then. I felt like he was always the butt of the joke, but there was never any, like, there was never a reason for him to, like, then also be a good heroic. He doesn't necessarily need to be a heroic, but a good character. He was just literally the butt of the joke. It felt like that entire movie. Whereas in this one, he was obviously in a lot of the humor because he's Drax. He's going to be in a lot of the humor. But then we get to see him also be an, an actual important member of this team when he's talking to these children. And you're like, oh, right, this is why he's here. He's not just the guy that breaks the doors open. He you know, he has something that he brings to the table. Oh, The other thing that made me cry watching this movie was Nebula saying, you weren't born to be a destroyer, you were born to be a dad. Yeah, I'm like oh my god, <laughs> I do like that ending for him. Yeah, I agree. I agree with this. I agree. I like the ending. I don't like the you know the way the whole ending's worked. You don't but like yeah, that yeah, they had yeah. to talk about it. But, uh. <laughs> no, no, no. I like. I like his arc. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I yeah. like his arc. Yeah, yeah, it's literal a literal yeah. ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So Drax, Nebula, and Mantis befriend the monsters. Blah, blah, blah. Rocket discovers imprisoned animals on the ship before being confronted by the High Evolutionary, whom the other Guardians defeat. Rocket spares the High Evolutionary, and the Guardians help the animals escape to nowhere. Quill nearly dies trying to cross over, but is saved by Adam, who was saved from Arete by Groot, as everyone deserves a second chance. Once again, I don't love the fake-out death. I think this one I have a little bit more of a problem with than I do the rocket one. I think the rocket one makes a lot of sense. I don't like this fake out death. I, I, think, yeah. I think this one I really do. I just, and I really didn't like the joke at the end of it either. I don't know if you agree with that. Did it look? Did it look cool? Shut the fuck up, Peter. Well, yeah, it's, I, a, well it's a callback. I know, but I, I didn't I agree like that, that it's one. A callback. I'm, a, I'm with you. I didn't like. Yeah. I just, I didn't like everything about it. It felt really unnecessary. Like, why did we? Why is that? Like, why did we need that? Why? See, now that one, I, I would agree, feels like it was playing off of the, well, people are expecting somebody to die. Yeah. But I also, again, watching this, I'm like, because my brain, unfortunately, is broken. <laughs> and I think... Welcome it, to the party. The, the, so, like, the first time I'm watching, like, in the theater, I'm watching it, and I'm thinking about it, like, thematically and stuff like that. And I'm like, from a storytelling standpoint, it doesn't make sense to kill Peter right here. So he's not going to die. Yeah. And I remember thinking... Oh, Adam's back. Okay, Adam's going to come save him, and that's going to be his hero moment. And you know, so I figured out what was going to happen there. So I agree with you that that didn't work. I some people are bothered because like, hey, Peter used to have a fancy helmet. Why didn't he just use that? That actually didn't bother me as much. Hmm. The one thing that I do like about this, I didn't even think about that, is not the fake out. I like that he, the reason he turns back in the first place is to grab the Zune. And you're thinking, oh my god, what's wrong with this person? But he's grabbing it because he wants to give it to Rocket, and I like that a lot. I like how yeah. I like how much this movie really hammers home how much Peter loves Rocket. Uh, you know, he calls him his best friend multiple times, and this is after second best uh, friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a There's good. There's one too. of the three. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, you know, especially after in Volume Two, they were so at odds and they were apart from each other for a lot of it. And the end of Guardians Two is Peter 
forgiving Rocket and Rocket realizing, okay, it's okay for me to be loved. And then, you know, this movie just shows how much everyone cares about the, oh, the other thing that almost that pretty much got me crying was when Nebula hears Rocket's voice over the comms. Um, mm. You know, Nebula, who was just like tough, mean all the time. And, you know, Rocket says, ah, it's just good. Everyone's all right. And she starts crying. And I'm like, oh, you know, seeing her cry, it like got me emotional. So I really like how much they really like you can tell these these characters all deeply love each other. And I like that. And I, I've always liked how throughout all of these movies and Avengers also, it's been obvious that Rocket loves Peter's music. <laughs> mm. Like, I just think it's funny that he's, you know, this alien raccoon guy. Um, but like the one thing that he like really has in common, well, he's an earth raccoon. Well, that's what I was going to say. He's from earth. Of he's, course he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but raised in space. You sure, know, yeah. sure. Sure. <laughs> right. Home is where your, he, your he, rump rests. He immigrated yeah. when he was a baby. So, so he's practically native space. Uh, you know, um, first generation space, <laughs> space raccoon. Uh, but yeah, no, he... I know he has no connection to earth culture otherwise, but you know, that's the thing that he clearly has like bonded with Peter, you know, like that, that's something they share is that he loves this music. And, you know, they even have that conversation where they're talking about their favorite bands later. And I just think that's fun, you know, and it's, it shows you how Peter had an influence on rocket and vice versa and all. That. And yeah, I, I like the kind of unspoken story of that. I like everything you're just saying, you just said, and I agree with you. Okay. And I may motion to make people mad again. <laughs> Go for it. But maybe you all agree with me on this. I don't know. Uh, something I didn't mention earlier when I was just rattling off my qualms. <laughs> I think that this movie has the weakest soundtrack of the three. And I think a lot of the songs felt jammed into parts of the movie that they did not need to be jammed in. I felt like I was watching a movie and like my next door neighbor was playing a variety soundtrack of some sort too loud and I had to listen to something while I was trying to watch something. I feel uh, like I like kind of agree. I think the problem with me is I think this yeah, movie, not every time. I think this movie has too many needle drops, which is weird because it is a Guardians movie and that is what they do. They I just don't feel as organic in this movie. Well, here, yeah. my I don't disagree and i don't i'm again i'm kind of in the middle uh most of the needle drops worked for me i think where it what is lacking compared to the first two and this is just you know because it's this zoom just full of music sure what the first two movies had these songs were very much a point of view they were peter's mother and the music that she loves sharing with her kid and it feels like there's kind of a comment like something that kind of links all those together this one you know he's got like 500 songs in the zoom and he hit shuffle so that these songs they don't feel as meaningful as a result hmm. I, I think that's what is that supposed to be a theme that i am that that i'm supposed to know as a watcher that like the background music is rockets zoom on shuffle well i'm not saying it's on shuffle i'm just saying it feels like it's on shuffle whereas like oh, in the okay. first like the first two movies, we know that these are the songs that are on the awesome mix tapes that yeah yeah that M Mama Quill made. I'm like Mama Quill. Is it Melanie? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Peter's mom made. I these. like Mama Quill. Yeah, though. yeah. So so Mama Quill sounds like an old hedgehog. <laughs> 
no quills. <laughs> so like a two-year-old hedgehog? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't do that to me. Oh. Um, yeah, so... But yeah, we so we 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 know that those songs in the first two are from the mixtape. Yeah, yeah, and and I think and the assumption and not even just assumption because you see them it being played on the Zune all these like almost all these songs, and the understanding in the Guardians movies is that the soundtracks come from, you know, his Walkman and, yeah, and now the Zune. Sure, and and it's just the fact that the Zune is just a Zune that they found that had a bunch of songs on it, so it feels like the songs aren't as curated i guess yeah it's just more like, here's an eclectic bunch of songs i like whereas it used to be like here are songs 1980 and before you know yeah. or whatever yeah i don't know just something about like I, I cannot even tell you specifics because i i either don't know the song or i can't think of the moment but i just i do remember feeling in so many moments like why is this song playing over this scene like it, we didn't need it here, mm-hmm. you know? I agree with a lot of that. I will say perhaps my favorite part, maybe not my favorite, but one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is the ending with Florence and the Machine. Oh, it's I like that song. That's really good. That, that one whole, does feel, yeah, no, that feels right. Have you it ever feels, seen the video of her watching good. that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's now, really good. let me say... Says we're, let me read this real quick. Yeah, bounce back and forth. Here we so, go. Uh, in the end, Quill decides to leave the Guardians. They meet Rocket as captain and travels to Earth to reunite with Jason, his grandfather. Mantis embarks on a journey of self-discovery with the Abelisks. Gamora rejoins the Ravagers and Nebula and Drax remain on nowhere to, re- to raise the rescued children. If I were the one who had created this, and I am not James Gunn who gets paid lots and lots and lots of money to do this <laughs> and is significantly better at all of this than I am, <laughs> let me put on my little director's hat here. If I were going to redo this scene, I would have all of this Guardians leaving thing during the song. I would have it all be part of this whole thing. I would have them I wouldn't have them standing in a circle being like this is where I'm going and this is it, it feels like they're in like a circular room with a bunch of hallways and they're all like I'm going this way, I'm going that way and they all just sort of point <laughs> to the hallway and they all equally leave. I would rather have it sort of spread out over this song and then them celebrating one final time at the end before they all go their separate ways. That's how I would like to see something like this instead of what we got. Once again, I don't hate this movie. I think it's fine. Mm. I just think it could have been better and handled a little bit more elegantly. Um but that ending scene with the dog days are over, I think is great. Um, I, but like we were saying earlier, I don't love the endings for some of these characters. I think the Mantis one is interesting, um, but it's not very explored enough, in my opinion, to be earned. I think the Drax one is maybe the most earned one out of all of them. I think he's constantly talking about his daughter and wife, and he's constantly talking about him being a father throughout all of these movies, and it makes perfect sense that by the end of it, he wants to be a a father. Nebula, where she ends up, it's, it's like fine, because I think Nebula as a guardian is... It makes me really sad to say, but almost inconsequential. Uh, she is probably the least important guardian of the guardians, unfortunately. Um, I I'm think like just back and forth, eyes darting <laughs> between I, the two of you. I think she doesn't. Uh, I think as as far as an arc, you know how Nebula has kind of felt like to me uh, the whole time is like the rest of them are the core Power Rangers, and she is Tommy. Okay. And she'll come in and help sometimes. No, I think she's like Tommy, but if Tommy was like, you know how Tommy was like the new leader? Yeah. If she was like 
under them. Like if there was like a, a sixth ranger, but they were not as important. You know what I mean? So do you know what I mean? But do you know what I mean though? By like, right, here's sure. the core, and here's a guest character that keeps recurring. Well, okay, I so, find her closer to Craglin and Cosmo than I do the rest of the. Guardians. Yeah, I think the reason for that is that she doesn't really interact with the other guardians uh, besides Gamora on an extensive level until this movie. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. She spent more time with the Avengers than she did with uh, um, the rest of the Guardians. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's okay. So I wouldn't say she's inconsequential because I think that she actually ends up having a... I really like her storyline in Infinity War and Endgame. Correct. You know? I agree with mm-hmm. both of those. Yeah, so... But as far as a Guardian, uh, I don't think she... Like, especially in this movie, I don't think she... Like, I think her ending, take it or leave it, because it doesn't really matter that much, in my opinion. Uh, like, where she ends up, there's not really, like, a story reason. Like, I think her story conclusion, honestly, happens in Endgame, where her and, and Gamora sort of find peace with each other. That yeah. is the sort of the, 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 the ending of her, the conclusion of her story, as far as the way it has been presented so far. Yeah. No, in, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Like, I, like, I'm glad she's in this movie. Yeah. I like that she's around, but she does kind of feel like she's the new one on the block. Yeah. But... She's more important because we have spent several movies with her at this point, just not several movies with her as a guardian. Sure. So it's a little weird. Uh, so, so when you have all this stuff, you know, we've never really seen what her relationship with Peter is like. Sure. We, we have seen her with Rocket because Rocket was also not blipped. So, so we know she and Rocket do have a relationship. She and Gamora would have had a rela- do have a relationship. It's weird and time dilated this time now, but it's still there. Um, but yeah, she does, uh, she doesn't, she still feels like the new kid on the block, even though we have watched four movies with her at this point, this being the fifth. Uh, so I, I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. I think the one that I have the most exception with though is Peter. And the reason I have the most exception with it is because I feel like there's a, still a little too much. We have future plans for this character. So we need them to end up at this point rather than it happening organically. I find trouble in a movie about Peter and his loved ones and realizing the kind of love that he has lost with someone like Amora and finding someone like Rocket who he has just as much love for, obviously in a different way. He's not fucking the raccoon. (laughs) But he obviously has just as much love for Rocket and he finally brings him back. He's like, all right. He's like, he's found his family. You know, the whole point is about him finding family. He's like, all right, well, I got to go find my 90 year old grandfather back on earth. Like, I think it's fine to go visit him or whatever, but like, I, for that to be the end of the character, and it's clearly not because we get a post credit. The legendary Star Lord will return. Right. Which, you know, it's clear they have other, and to me, I find that like, it's just unsatisfying for me. I don't think that's where the character if if I'm following what's happening in this movie, I don't think that's where that character The circle up. at the end was already awkward enough. What was he going to say? Like, I'm going to go visit my grandpa for a little while, and then I'll be back, everybody. Well, I, I, no, I, think, I think he does solo stuff. I, you know yeah. what? Yeah. In my opinion, I think uh, we're going to get an, a Star-Lord and Nova type thing. I oh, think really? you'll finally get to find Star-Lord and, and actually get Nova, and you'll find... Because there's, like, best friends in the comics. They have entire runs together. Like, they are... Mm. They're like yeah. a unit in the comics, and so I think exploring that, and I, I could definitely see a Star-Lord Nova buddy cop movie. I'd be first in line for that. Um, but I think it because of that, I think you lose a little bit in the ending here, in my opinion, at least. See, it uh, doesn't bother me because for me, it's, 
You know, he's learned to love and he's watched Rocket come, come to terms with his past. And that's something that Peter has never reckoned with either. And I think it's made him realize, you know, at this point, you know, he doesn't even know if his grandfather's still alive at this point. So he's like, I lost an entire lifetime with him. Uh, Wait I, a minute. I need. I'll go check. <laughs> okay, you put it that way. <laughs> uh, but he's like, he's like, okay, I need to. And I think it's him going coming up with, I need to do this. And and he knows he doesn't have very long. Mm. Um, but he feels like it's something he needs to make right. And no, kind we're of, out kind of, of grandpas. <laughs> Sorry. I think I'd believe that more if his grandpa as a character, besides the flashback in the first movie, showed up at all and, and like was talked about or was mentioned or anything until this movie. Like it doesn't feel like he's like thinking about grandpa. He doesn't have like a locket that he like opens up and he's like, Damn, I miss my grandpa. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, it does <laughs> it does feel like of all of these endings, it feels like the fuck, we gotta think of something for Peter to say. Like, what are we going to do with him? Well, because, like, he clearly needs to be separated from the rest of them. It's clearly like, uh, we're going to continue with Star-Lord. If they want to continue with Wait the Guardians... Wait a second. We didn't actually kill him. Now he has to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like to me that they're very, it was very clear that they're like, we need Star-Lord to be away from the Guardians because we want to do something with just him. And we want to continue with Chris Pratt. Uh, you can do whatever you want with the Guardians, leave them whatever state you want in case somebody wants to pick those back up as well. But we need to separate these two. And this was like the way of doing that. And I just, uh, it was a little clumsy for me. But if you if you liked it, Chris, that's all the more power to you. Thanks. <laughs> How did you guys feel about the I love you guys? Oh, I liked that. I liked it too. Yeah. Oh, I'm I, by myself well, then. And like, yep. If you listen to what James Gunn has said afterwards, I think it makes it all make a lot more sense. I, but it's like... I kind of clocked that was what happened when we watched it. Yeah, I, I, I did didn't. not. It did. <laughs> oh. Knowing for sure that that's what it was did not change anything for me because that is how I interpreted the scene too. Was now I'm part of the family. Yeah, I can tell what he's saying because I've seen three movies of him. Yeah, yeah. more than three. But I also didn't need it. Maybe for the first time ever, put it in subtitles. Uh, I the point still would have come across to me. Mm. I don't know. I don't need to hear yeah, Vin Diesel I don't think that means it. us understanding him. That's the movie translating it for us if it's subtitles. Yeah. If we hear, because it, it's kind of implied that that is how the other Guardians hear him, and Gamora gets there at the end of this, and that's kind of, that's supposed to be our hint. That puts it in our minds so we understand what's happening in the scene when he says, I love you guys. It's kind of fucked up then, actually, it, that he didn't do that sooner. Because I've been spending more time with Groot than Gamora has. Gamora, This Gamora has seen Groot for five minutes compared to me, <laughs> and it took her no time at all. She understood him two, two dialogue points before the uh, I love you guys. They've gone through battle together, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I'm not a guardian. Pick <laughs> your side. <laughs> it's, an, it's meaningless, as, uh, as he says on the ride. Yeah. You're an, only know. an honorary guardian of the galaxy. It's, it it's, didn't... <laughs> pissed me off it wasn't like a scene where i was like what the fuck but i was like that didn't do anything for me you know like cool (laughs) i'm glad i'm not alone on this one at least yeah thanks buddy i know i'm with you on this i liked this one i liked i was you you had me there with the subtitles for a second but i think chris's his uh his explanation really kind of won me over there yeah I'll take it. A small victory. <laughs> I think your explanation is good. I just think, for me personally, it doesn't oh, that's fair. change between subtitles. Some things don't work for everybody. Yeah. That's that's what I've learned about Music League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
in the mid-credits scene, the new Guardians, consisting of Rocket, Groot, Kraglin, Cosmo, Adam, Phyla, and Adam's pet Blurp, take on a new mission. And we kind of see them kind of go off and, and be their own team, presumably not to be seen again for quite a while. And uh, it's worth noting Phyla. Uh, Phyla Vell is a character in the comics, the daughter of Marvel, the original Captain Marvel. Hmm. Um, obviously, this would be a very different take on the character if she is, I think Quasar is her. Um, she was Captain Marvel at one point. Quasar and Martyr, I think, were her superhero names. Hmm. So we'll, we'll see if that's who she ends up being, but... Phyla is not a name you pick accidentally because I don't think that's a real name. Fancy's more of a real name than Phyla. <laughs> Here's your one that's chance, Phyla. Bailey. Phyla, don't let me down. Uh, so who's going to be your MVP for this movie, guys? I'll start. Oh, wait. We do MVPs. Yeah, we do MVPs. I'm going to give it. Uh, maybe this is a surprise to everyone. It shouldn't be. It's Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. I think Rocket has the best arc in this movie. I think from start to finish, he goes through what is... he. It is an incredible deconstruction of this character that we have seen only really in surface level uh, throughout the first two movies, and we really get to see... like Out of all the characters that aren't named Groot... We get less time with Rocket in the first two movies to really understand who he is, besides little things like that first time you see him in the shower and he's got all the, like, the metal things in his back. Mm-hmm. We don't get too much of Rocket, and this movie really dives into it, and I really enjoy that. Um, so I'm giving it to Rocket. Yeah, um, Rocket is the heart and soul of this movie. He's the heart and soul of the Guardians, really. Uh, so it's easily him. Honorable mention, just because we haven't really talked about him much, um, but... Chukwudi Awuji, who villain. plays High Evolutionary, yeah. is fantastic. He was he was in my he's in my mind right now as I'm remembering he, MVP. He is very very good in this. Yeah. I think I think the High Evolutionary is a great villain. I think that uh, I think the villain, except for um, Ronan, who I think is kind of boring. Um, I think that the Guardians movies have had very good villains. I think Ego was great, and I think High Evolutionary is great. Um, and he plays him so well. He's like these different levels. He's kind of like, he's like this crazy rage, but then he also has like this guy. He's like, he loves earth because he loves the music and the arts and stuff. And it's just a really fascinating layers. But like his, the, the dialogue he has is great characterization. Like the fact that he calls rocket refers to rocket as it throughout the whole thing. instead of saying, even he, you know, he doesn't want to give him any identity or anything. Um, the uh, the line he has what you know the woman says for God's sake and he screams there is no God that's why I stepped in that's, yeah. that's a good villain line yeah right? so so yeah honorable mention to him but it's Rocket I I I think that's the battle for me between those two and it's not even really a battle despite feeling the way I feel about the flashback scenes and despite thinking that the rest of the movie does not have enough rocket. I, I think I agree with you guys. Um, may, maybe that's part of it is I yearn for more rocket in this movie. Don't we all give me more <laughs> rocket, but yeah, I do really like that villain and I, I would have liked to see more of that villain in other things. Well, he's just because he he's, survives. So yeah, but I don't think we're going to see him again. Yeah, I don't think we will, but he, he plays the character very well. So, if we see him again, it will probably be uh, another good performance. Yeah. 
So I guess Rocket. Too. I know there are a lot of people who say, "Oh, just just make him another Kang variant and let him play Kang from now on." Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that, but I mean, he would do a great job, probably. <laughs> All right, ratings, Peach. We're gonna start with you, so we end on a positive. Note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... I mean, I've basically said all of the reasons that this movie does and doesn't do it for me. I don't really have too much to add. So at the end of the day, I'm going to give it uh, seven stupid guys who no one loves out of ten. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorite jokes, too. <laughs> that's one of the other of the three. Yeah. <laughs> that, that got We're me not killing anyone. Time. Kill one stupid guy that no one loves. Yeah. Um, who is next? Yeah, I'll go next. I'll okay. go next so that we can finish with Chris. And <laughs> oh, yeah, It'll sure. be happy. Uh and not that my score is going to be bad, but yeah. um, I will give it eight fucking cars out of ten. <laughs> and it's funny, our scores actually, after all the arguing, our scores aren't that far apart. Um, I like this one a lot. I said earlier, and you all clearly don't agree with me, but I do think that James Gunn is one of the better, one of the best writers and directors that the MCU has had. He has a style. Style's not for everybody, but he has a style, and he... And, uh, I think he does have a really good grasp on on characters. I think that's really what he does well. Um, but that being said, as much as I like this, still my number three Guardians movie. Oh, wow. uh, hmm. So uh, I'm going to give it eight nine P one three out of ten. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> hmm. So where are you guys going to put it in your rankings? Um, I've got it uh, just after Ragnarok. Uh, just above Multiverse of Madness, kind of smack dab, pretty close Rawr, in the middle Rawr. there. Sorry, I just <laughs> he whenever multiverse. I hear Ragnarok, I think of Hulk going Ragnarok. Oh, I thought that was you being upset about hearing Multiverse of Madness. And I mean, growling. yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. happy about that either. <laughs> I don't like remembering that that's around, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at my other sevens. I think I put this after Thor but before Black Widow uh oh god this is hard I think I'd rather rewatch Thor you'd re- rather rewatch Thor that's that is an interesting I okay. think nothing bad happens to the dog or cat big enough to ride <laughs> <laughs> uh oh gosh uh yeah I was gonna say right after Guardians but right after Guardians is Winter Soldier and Civil War and I don't think it's I'm going to put it in between uh, Far From Home and Homecoming, which is kind of okay. right towards the middle. Far so From Home gets a bump just because I love Mysterio so much. Mm, better than Homecoming. That hurts me. Interesting. Homecoming is near the top for me still. That's true. You've, That's got, you've got Homecoming a lot higher. I mean, It's ranked a nine, and it's one, two, three, four, five. It's my sixth favorite, wow. according to numbers. <laughs> I guess I should add this so I remember it for next time. Yeah. So, Guardians 3 is over. It is time for recommendations. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Do you guys have something to recommend to recommendate to recommend to our listeners? Bro, I've got so much to recommend. All right, let's go. I'm going to talk me. for so long, which is not unusual. Okay. So I got to set this up with some stories, too. I finally, um, right after we did our last recording, which at this point was, what, like six weeks ago? Longer than six weeks ago? It was a long time ago. It's been a bit. It was before before Christmas. Okay. We had a lot going on. Yeah. So right after that recording, I played Inscription, 
which is oh. a spooky card game. It's like a roguelike in a way, uh, sort of. Um, and it's I, I don't even want to say too much about Inscription because the game has different phases as you play through it. Um, but at a, the base level that you should know is that it is a spooky, a little bit meta card game. I don't know why I thought of... Uh... I'm a little bit country. But I'm a, <laughs> a little, little bit, bit game. <laughs> I'm a little bit meta. It's basically if you like card games at all and you like spooky stuff, you should just go play Inscription and I don't really want to say too much else about it. It's been but on my list. I want to play that. Yeah. I and it's on so this is this is where it might be relevant for you. So I played it on Steam. Okay. I liked it so much. I stayed up till like 4 a.m. the night that I down. I mean, I had work the next morning. I was exhausted, but I could not stop playing it. Beat the game on Steam. And then I went, I hope this is on PlayStation so that I can get the trophy for it. I want to play this again immediately. There's been very few games in my life that I have beaten the game and gone, I'm playing this again right the fuck now. Um, and I did not subscribe to the mid-tier of PlayStation at that point. I saw it was on the PS Extra category, and I immediately upped my PlayStation subscription. Wow! So I played. <laughs> I played through it. I platinumed it on PS4. There's also a PS5 download, so I played it a third time and platinumed it on PS5 back to back. Wow! I will probably only do the PS5 version. I, yeah, don't go. <laughs> you don't need to go crazy like I did. That's that's what I'm not recommend recommending overall. Um, but definitely play Inscription. And also definitely consider uh, doing the at least the mid-tier subscription to PlayStation, PS Extra. I know I'm pretty sure Eduardo has recommended it on the show before, um, but that platform is crazy huge. There are so many games on there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have subscribed to it if I wasn't like in that moment just hyper-fixating on Inscription specifically. But I'm glad I did because I have played a whole bunch of stuff since, and I want to recommend and anti-recommend some things. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because uh, the anti-recommendations are from the perspective of if you are a trophy hunter, I anti-recommend these games. Okay. <laughs> Not as far as gameplay goes. So I'm going to start with those because the two games that I've played since on PS Extra that I don't recommend if you're a trophy hunter, Final Fantasy IX, which pains me to say because for some... I mean, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, you know, you probably already know that you do or do not like 9. Like, mm-hmm. at this point, a lot of Final Fantasy is not surprise news for anybody. Oh, I've never heard of that. Tell me more. But one of the, there are two trophies for, for Final Fantasy 9 that are abysmal. One Ooh. of them is the jump rope minigame. Anyone who's played 9 knows about the jump rope minigame. Well, you have to, do you guys know about it? No. no. So the jump rope minigame is, there are two little girls in the town square of the first town. You're playing as Vivi. You have to jump over the jump rope. Cool. Self-explanatory. After 100 jumps, the cadence changes. After 100 more jumps, the cadence changes again, but it's not a steady cadence. It's like bop, 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 bop. Then after 100 more, it changes a third time, and then it changes one more time. So you have to get through all of these jumps, and the trophy is to jump rope 1,000 times. It's fucking hard. It's it's so difficult. That's not even the worst of the two because you can do a little hack through PS Remote Play, put a script on your computer that watches the game and jump ropes for you. 
cool. If you want to cheat the jump rope trophy, do it. Like, I would not blame you that's because because it is hell on earth. The trophy that's worse of the two of them is the kill ten thousand enemies trophy, which does not sound like a lot, but unless you know how Final Fantasy works, the most amount of enemies you can fight in one battle are is four. Okay, the fastest you can fight a battle, if you one shot everything in that battle, is like eighteen seconds. If you have a very fast menu and everybody goes first in your party, uh, with the fastest you can kill four enemies, it still takes 18 and a half hours to kill 10,000 enemies. And here's the real bummer about that. The game has no tracker. You have no idea how far along you are in that process. And unless you have a turbo controller or you're doing this PS remote play plus script thing, there's no way to automate a battle because you can, something that I did, you can put a rubber band around the control stick so that your character keeps running in the wild. You <laughs> cannot get past the end of battle screen without pressing X. So you have to just sit there and wait for the battle to end. If you've automated everything else, wait for the battle end, hit X a few times. Then you wait. Wait for the battle end. Oh, man. Hit X a few times. It was hell. It took so long. Uh uh, Not a fun experience. You saying the turbo controller remind me. Have you ever played the original Metal Gear Solid? No, because when I, I only tried them when I was a kid, and I did uh-huh. not understand what stealth was as a kid. Oh. <laughs> I was dying over and over and over. And I think the second game was the only one I ever attempted to play, and uh-huh. I just kept dying because you're not supposed to run into the enemies. Well, there's, anyway. there's there's this one part in Metal Gear Solid where you're captured by Revolver Ocelot, who's one of the bad guys, and he's torturing you. And you have to withstand the torture by pressing the X button like however many times. And he looks right at the camera and says, and don't try to use a turbo controller. We'll know. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he talk to you a lot like as a player? Isn't well, that the character that No, Psycho Mantis is the one who like oh, talks to him. Well, sure. He's the one that's like, I'll read your mind. You've played Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Anti-recommend for Final Fantasy IX for platinuming. If you're playing the game casually... Like probably most sane people are. It's a fantastic <laughs> game. I appreciate your yeah. regular knowledge. Yeah. I know you have a problem. I have a big problem. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing I anti-recommend from a platinum standpoint is Crash Insane Trilogy. If you played the Crash Bandicoot games growing up, one Cortex Strike Strikes Back or Warped, you probably have some good nostalgia goggles for those games. When you go back and play them, and you try to get the plat. I, I don't know if I've ever raged as hard in a video game. Oh, no. Um, this game, what, what do you guys know about Crash? I've played an insane trilogy. He's you a play? bandicoot. Yeah, okay. So, he it's used like, to stand outside Nintendo headquarters and yell. Yeah, so it's a, <laughs> it's a platforming game. The levels are platforming. There's like 25-ish levels per game, and you run through the level, and you collect a crystal at the end of each level. Uh, if you break all of the boxes in the level, you collect a gem. Sometimes there are extra gems if you do other specific things, whatever. That's besides the point. And then the third thing you can collect in every level is a relic. A relic is the game's it built-in speedrun reward. So mm. you go back and you play a level. There's a little clock at the beginning of the level if you've already beaten that level. And if you touch the clock, the countdown begins, and you have to race to the end of the level as fast as you can. Yeah. That sounds kind of okay if you like speedrunning. Here's the problem. There's no fucking cycles. There's no consistency in this game, which is built with an in-game speedrun mechanic. 
every time you start the clock, everything in the fucking level is in a different position. Oh, so, so there's, you can't like memorize. There's, and I say everything, and someone on the internet's going to be like, well, actually, blah, 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 it's on a global timer. I don't fucking care. There are so many levels where you hit the clock and you just have to not move because right away at the beginning of the level, there's like a statue that's breathing fire. And if you hit the clock and you immediately jump to go past it, you'll just die. You'll get lit on fire by the statue. Now you got to start over. Wow. So the relics are driving me crazy. I did get the platinum for Final Fantasy IX. Uh, I am psychotic. I did not yet get the platinum for the insane trilogy because I'm still working on the relics. It is so insane that you're trilogy. sitting here being like, please don't do these things. It's awful. Don't do it. I By the way, <laughs> I'm this part of the way through this one, and I've already done this one. Yeah. Well, it's so crazy. This is why my recommendation is so long, and I told you guys earlier that it's going to be long, because in between all of this oh relic God. hunting I've been doing to make the part of my brain that wants to kick something out of my window not do that, I've been playing all these PS Extra tiny little like quick games oh, to okay. get platinums and also enjoy something. So I'm going to tell you all the games I've played Just in between <laughs> the Crash Insane trilogy and platinumed and recommend them because they were fun. Okay. Uh, and in the order I played them. Unpacking. Uh, mm. Unpacking is a game that actually Cat was playing when I went to their place for Thanksgiving. And it is literally a game where you are moving between apartments, houses, whatever, and you unpack boxes and you find the right place for all of your stuff within the house. It is a very cozy game. Uh, it tells a story through this character who is packing and unpacking and packing and unpacking. You see the changes in her life starting from when she was a kid to when she's like having her own kid. And it's a really nice story that's told without any dialogue. I remember hearing people talk about how relaxing they found this game this game came out right when i moved yeah and the last thing i <laughs> yeah. wanted to do was pretend to unpack yeah <laughs> now that you're not in that position maybe maybe give it a yeah. chance next one by the way there are five games that i have platinumed on this list wow. <laughs> uh that i recommend lost words beyond the page lost words uh you're gonna if you follow my recommendation and you go to the playstation store and you go to download lost words the art of the game looks like the art for um Was this those an H like game? <laughs> those like fake mobile games. Oh, okay. It looks like you know those ones where it's like the dude with the sword who starts in a tower on the left side oh, and he has a number under him yes, and then on yeah. the right that's what the art looks like oh, no. <laughs> on the thumbnail for this game. It's actually much prettier than that okay. when you install it and play it, but it plays kind of like um it is basically a narrative. There's not a lot of challenging gameplay, but it's like a light puzzle platformer. And you go between... The, the story is this girl who wants to be a writer one day is practicing writing in her journal. She's writing a story in her journal. And so you bounce back and forth between... Here's in between the levels. She's writing in her journal about something. And then she's you're playing the story that she's writing. Um, and it's a little bit of a sad game because what she's the, the intermission parts where she's writing in the journal, you find out that one of her family members is going through some stuff mm. and it's like about her dealing with loss and grief while trying to write a story. And it's it's you find that the story is very parallel with what's happening to her in real life. So hmm. it's a it's a little touching. I cried, but it was a good game. And yeah. all of these are quick, by the way. Next game, Tacoma. 
Tacoma is a detective game where you f- are an auditor that flies to a spaceship. The news reported that the six crew members of the spaceship have all died in a mysterious accident, and you have to go figure out what actually happened. And I can't really say much more about it without spoiling the story. But there's no. But it is very much a story-driven game where I think you. Angels played that. You walk around and you find like law, like video logs of the crew, and you find out what actually happened to them and what the company did, and blah blah blah. Very good game. Recommend that one. Um, I replayed Untitled Goose Game. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, if you know, you know. Untitled Goose Game <laughs> is you play as a goose. You run around and you terrorize the citizens. It's a lovely day in the village and you're an awful goose, I yeah. think is like the official description. Unless you're, if you're not the goose, it's not a lovely day in the village. No. But the yeah. goose is having the time of his life. And you have this little checklist of things you have to do. Get the gardener wet. Steal the gardener's keys. Uh, make the boy lose his glasses. Like you have, you're just being a menace to society. Uh, it's a fun plat, That's though. So that fun. one does require some pretty tight speed running. So... Mm. If, if platinuming is just be, keep in mind that you'd have to speed run Goose Game. And then the last one, um, another one just like Inscription that I played it and I was immediately like, let's go, we're playing this again. I double stacked this one, uh, was Super Liminal. Super Liminal is, it feels very much like Portal. Uh, the layout of the game is like, do a puzzle room, then some fun dialogue happens from this AI lady and then do another puzzle room and then break out of the puzzle rooms and you're doing puzzles in the back rooms of this place that you're supposed to be doing puzzles in, blah, blah, blah. It does sound like Portal. And the concept (laughs) is that your, the whole concept of the game is that your perception is your reality. So it is, the puzzles are that, hey, there's a door way up there in the ceiling. And there's a block of cheese over here that is cut into a ramp. Yes, I have seen And it's very small. But if you get really close to the block of cheese and pick it up, because in your vision, the block of cheese is right next to your face, when you put it back down on the ground, it is just as big as it was when it was right in front of your face. So now the block of cheese can reach the door and you can run up to it. And so the whole game messes with puzzles in that way of change the perception of something and you can solve the puzzle and it does a lot of fucking with you as a player which obviously like perception is part of the game um it tells a really good story underneath it all also built in speed runs lots of things to collect to go like into places you're not meant to go to find them super fun i would play it again without having to platinum it (laughs) so um that's I just went on for a long time, but the moral of the story is PlayStation Extra is fucking great. Yep. Um, and play in uh, of all of those things, play Inscription and play Superliminal. If you had to choose, okay. play those two. I would also recommend a few other games on there, like Ghost of Tsushima. Oh yeah, there's tons mm. of stuff. Uh, on there. Yeah, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake is Th- on there. This is just what I've played recently, uh, in the time between our last. Uh, our last recording. So, yeah, I mean, all a lot of Final Fantasies are on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of really, really great stuff mm-hmm. on there. Uh, all the Horizon games are on there. Mm-hmm. That's it. I haven't played anything else new yet. Chris, can I recommend a few things Please for you do. to recommend? Okay. Can you, <laughs> if you would like to recommend a couple of things, because Chris and I actually took a little adventure with another friend of ours, yeah. Adam, uh, not too long ago. And we did a few things that day that I'm sure Chris would love to talk about. Yeah, I'm going to recommend that... Uh 
Those wings. All right, we'll go for it. <laughs> no. Start with the wings. Yeah, no, Grilled we, hot wings. We had some wings that were really good. <laughs> um, the, that's only going to... Oh, no. The, the, the reason f- they were good is because they were smoked and then flash fried. Ooh. And yeah. then a delicious sauce was put on them and like they yeah. were very good. I got one of the dry rub that was very good. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Eat on the way home. They were very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, but yeah, we took a little adventure. We did an escape room Ooh. out there. So if you happen to be in the... Uh, Clearwater, Clearwater, St. Pete, Tampa area. Uh, then, uh, what's it called? The Exit Game? Yeah, the Exit Game. I highly recommend. Maybe the best escape room I've ever done. It's up there. It was very, really? very good. It is 90 minutes. Oh. Uh, there was a point during the room where, I don't know about you, I thought we were done, and then we had a whole other room. Yes. There was like a a, a a door. That was it like was it like close enough in the middle of the ninety minutes where you're like, dude, we're the fucking best. We actually there's, do not keep there's track no of our clock. Time. There's no clock. Oh. You do not know how much time you have. You left. can oh. ask, but they recommend that you don't because you'll obsess over it. Correct. And they yeah. were right. We didn't ask. We uh, never we knew. We never asked. We never knew. Um, a lot of uh, they had a lot of really interesting creative puzzles. Yeah. Apparently, it is a room that is known. Nationwide, I was not aware that we had a room such as that here in the that's the, cool in, here in Florida. But yeah, apparently, what was the theme? It was uh, like you are joining a magician's like. See the bookmark club. in my book. Take a look at it. You can take it out. I know I'm on chapter three. Okay. Um, you are joining like a magician's club. So you start off in an alleyway, and your first thing that you're doing is trying to get inside a magic shop. Huh. Yeah, and, and very immersive. Mm-hmm. The set design was incredible. Um, yeah, there were a lot of times where we figured stuff out. It was like, okay, that was that was cool. Yeah, uh, and I, I felt like all three of us like had moments to shine throughout it. Like everyone was like, oh, hang on, we do this, and uh, just really, honestly, one of the I haven't done as many as you have, um, but this is. I feel like you've got to, if you're three people and you're doing a 90 minute room, I feel like you all have to have at least one of those moments. Yeah, right? yeah. like yeah. 90 minutes feels like. And I know that most escape rooms are are just default 60. I don't know. I know that is a long time, but sometimes it doesn't feel like enough depending on how many people you go in there yeah. with, you know, because you want to help too. Like they you said that contribute. I think they said three was like the recommended sweet yeah. spot for this one. And oh, yeah, good. I would agree with that. And they have another one there called Pins and Needles that is uh, takes place in a tattoo parlor. Ooh. And it is all about you being trying to become a tattoo part, like the tattoo apprentice. Uh, you and, have to uh, draw for ninety minutes. And apparently, it's incredible. Like people huh. rave yeah. about it. So, and okay. they're opening up a third one shortly. They said uh, sometime this year, right? Yeah, and it's set in a noodle shop. So we're gonna go back there and do that tattoo one. Right? I would yeah, really we like are. To. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, really There's like other to stuff to do in that area. Yeah, there, yeah. Yes, there is. Yeah, yeah they were great. Yeah, we'll go get the wings. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, what was that place called? Uh, Mullets. Was it Mullets Fish Camp? Mullets Fish Camp. What a. <laughs> it was such a weird. So much better than the name. It was such implies. a weird find, but the food was really yeah. good. I had a uh, Cajun fish fried camp catfish was my sandwich. That was great. <laughs> Cajun fried sandwich. Yeah. Cajun uh, fried catfish. chicken. Oh, catfish. Yeah. You just made me miss Homecoming's catfish sandwich. Oh. Now I want to eat that one uh, too. During got- the summers between school years. Aquaman would go to Mullet's Fish Camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you get his hair done. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Yeah, that uh, escape 
escape room sounds cool. Yeah, it was, it was very fun. So yeah. go find an escape room if you're not in the Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete area. Go find an escape room near you. There are also, a lot of them. They're so much fun. Also, you should know because I actually, um, I am now, uh, I am now intimately involved with somebody who did not know this was a thing. You are not. Maybe, maybe I'm lying about a very f- small amount of s- escape rooms out there. You're not ever actually locked in an escape room. That's by the true. Way. Yeah, that's something people. That's, I get asked by people that don't do escape rooms. Yeah. I, I've been asked that multiple times. One of the and, first things he told us was, "If you need to go to the bathroom, just go yeah." Well, <laughs> you know, because I was talking to her about like wanting to do one, and she's like, "I don't know. That's not like claustrophobia. I don't want to be locked in a room." And I'm like. Fair on the claustrophobia sometimes, sure. but you're never actually locked in a room. No. Like if you need to leave, they're not going to force you to stay in the room. Right. Like the whole point is to solve all the puzzles, not to get out of the room. Yeah, right. you're not but, like in like a straight jacket, except that yeah. one time we got chained up to a wall. But yeah. that was a specific. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot I guess of escape... that one you might be stuck in the yeah, room. Yeah, that one. That's yeah. a tough one. But that we did yeah. that ourselves. I think... by, we did that ourselves. I mean, I forced that upon everyone <laughs> by not researching what we were doing. <laughs> it worked out. We I think the time. term escape room it's now evolving past what they originally were. I think. Yeah, because it was about how to get out, but now it's like okay, it's just sort of like a hour-long interactive adventure where you're solving puzzles yeah maybe we call it a puzzle chamber <laughs> <laughs> we should um have y'all ever played uh hunt a killer any no. versions of that okay no. i'm looking at it and i'm just going to talk about that now because um we went up to visit our families for uh, christmas time and uh, my parents had one of them at their house so we played it um the five of us angela my parents danny and uh, it's kind of like an escape room in a box, except you just solve it all around the table. Hmm. Uh, but it's like a murder mystery kind of thing. Uh, lots of different puzzles. We, the one that we did was about somebody died during uh, a heist and you had to figure out who killed the person. Oh, sure. Uh, and part of it was like we ended up like finding a phone number. And if you call the phone number, you hear somebody's voicemail. Uh, so the, it's a lot more elaborate than I was expecting. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they, and they've got several different ones. You can kind of, you can really only do them once, but if you can't find an escape room, but you got some friends and you want to do a mystery, and I think you can even do them on your own, but it's more fun if you've got a little bit of a group. Um, those, those are kind of fun. So yeah, that's, there's my other recommendation. I got your back. Thanks buddy. I got your back. I want to recommend a couple things too. Um, I finally finished or not finished, but I caught up with my book series. I've recommended them multiple times at the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. I have read all four of the ones that are currently out. They are incredible books. Um, You should, uh, if you have any interest in reading an epic fantasy, please pick these up. In my opinion, they are the modern day epic fantasy of our time. I think nothing comes close to it. I'm currently reading another series, which I, I enjoy, but like it just doesn't have that, it doesn't have the sauce, you know? It doesn't have <laughs> the, the, the magic yeah. that the Sanderson books have given me. Is um, that the series that you were telling me slash us about where you have to read like 17 chapters of the first book before it gets good? The book is, in, especially the first one, is a, there's a lot of... Because it is it is supposed to be a 10-book series. Okay. The books are very large, and so there is a lot of setup that happens in that first book. Okay. If you can get through that first book... It's you'll you'll not want to put the books down. They okay. are incredible. But there is I yes, there is a little bit of a you have to trust as you're sort of reading the first trust few the, the process. Y- you do. You literally <laughs> yeah. have to trust the process as you're reading because you're probably gonna be like, Man, there's a lot of exposition, there's a lot of setup, there's a lot of story building. But that's just sort of how reading fantasy works because like 
You're mm. you're always in a different world. There are always the gloob globs and the gleeb globs and the high <laughs> council of the 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 the, the Vasantin and you know the, <laughs> the 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 hankerings hate the the Aliwalas. And yeah, you, know you can't what I mean? just jump into that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That all that stuff has to be like explained. You have to be like introduced to the world. Highly recommend. Immediately after, I put up a poll on Instagram, and <laughs> the book that won was a book called *The Fourth Wing*. And oh, I didn't vote for that one. Uh, it was—it's a, a book by Rebecca Yaros, and may I never read another book that she has written. Oh because no! Because when I say this is one of the worst books I have ever read. Oh no! It is. It, it's you know what's crazy is that it's it's a bestseller. People love this book. And hmm. by people, I mean middle-aged women. Whatever. If that's <laughs> you right now, I apologize that I'm trashing your book, but I'm going to do it. And if you've listened long enough, you know I was capable of this. Uh, <laughs> this book is awful. Just awful. It is written in uh, first-person... Uh, Present tense? Present tense. Yeah, we were discussing how much we don't like that. <laughs> Everything is, I go to the wall, I, I walk forward, I look at him in the eyes, blah, blah, blah. It is... Oh. It is, I don't like that. It is written as if I someone like that. <laughs> is writing a young adult novel, they are bad at writing, uh, and then at some point, several, several, several chapters in the book, you get two chapters of very, very graphic sex scenes. Very graphic. I thought you said not to read these. <laughs> two chapters? <laughs> two chap two different sex scenes. They're very graphic. They are not fun to read, in my opinion. Oh no. Oh. They are very it feels like a teenager is writing these. Ah. The what they've heard about sex. Part of this is my fault because going from the sort of fantasy epic, philosophical, really interesting prose, really interesting world type thing to this more in my opinion, amateurish book was probably a, a bit of a, a bit of whiplash, and that's that's my fault for going from one to the other. Sure, this book reads like fan fiction, except she's just a fan of herself because she's the one that wrote this whole thing. <laughs> uh, I think it's awful. If you like the book, more power to you. But I will never read another book this person has ever written. Oh man, man, I I've, I can't tell you how much I dislike this book. Ooh. Um, I think you just did. Uh, I, that's true. <laughs> that's true. The only reason I finished it is because one, I, you know, the reason I finished you it have is a completionism I, complex. No, too? it's because I just finished these goddamn Brandon Sanderson books, uh, and those books always the endings are incredible. Yeah. So I kept going through it, being like, let me just get to the end. Maybe they, maybe they stick the landing, yeah. and they never stuck the landing. Oh, man. They fell flat on their face. Are and there like a, 14 more books in that series? There Maybe is, you have to read the first three. There is one other yeah. book that is out right now. Okay. And people, the people that like that, the, the first book, don't like the second one. Maybe so, you will. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, no. Not risking it. I will not do that. Um, I want to recommend a video game series. I want to recommend Alan Wake. I finished the first Alan Wake. And Peach, you need to perk up because these are your fucking jam. You, okay. You would love this. All right. Shit. It is about this writer named Alan Wake, very the titular, very Twin Peaks style of like horror type thing. The only issue with playing these these games is that the first one, the gameplay isn't incredible. The first one, the gameplay is okay. It's okay. Is it a walking sim? No, 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 no. Okay. It's much better than a walking sim, but it's also just like it's not as tight as it could be. It feels like they had a lot of really good ideas, but then Alan Wake two is incredible. Mm -hmm. It is about a writer who writes 
horror stories and suddenly finds himself in one. And okay. the sto- the stuff that he is writing is coming and happening in real life. Hell yeah. And it is very, very, very good. The second one, I cannot tell you enough. And I can't, it's one of these where I'm like, just go play it. I don't want to tell you anything else about it. Fair, yeah. Especially the second one because there are a lot of really interesting mechanics and stuff that I don't want to spoil because they're so cool when you're doing them in, in the game that I don't want to even talk about it. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Push through the first Alan Wake push through the they have a couple of DLCs for that one if you want to you can play control which is another game by remedy that happens in the same universe and is there for like you can play it for like world building but it doesn't necessarily follow the events that happen there's like a an Alan Wake DLC chapter that has like a few things that kind of carry over but mostly if you're trying to go from story to story you can play one and then immediately play two hmm. uh, but control is there to play as well if you would like to to, to bridge those um, I will say one of the last things Danny texted to me, uh, most recent things he texted me was, I need you to play Alan Wake and Control and Alan Wake 2. Because yeah. he just played through all three of those. He said Alan Wake 2 is his game of the year for last year, and you saw the games that came out last year. Yeah. So that, that's Alan saying Wake quite 2, a bit. Impressive. Alan Wake 2 is incredible. It is so scary. They sound up my alley. Are they on extra? Uh, Alan Wake 1 is. Alan Wake 2 is still a full price game. Oh, sure. Yeah, it, it, it's just very recent, it just came yeah. out. But Alan Wake 1 and Control are both on extra. Oh, that's pretty cool then. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll give those a try. I need to figure out where I'm fitting stuff in because right now I I bought Spider-Man 2 at release. And you I still have, haven't played oh, it? I have not no. touched it. That's crazy. So, so now... Hey, I platinum that one. <laughs> so now what I'm in between doing is Crash Relics and finishing up i'm replaying spider-man one on new game plus mm. so that i can breeze through it i don't have to worry about collecting everything sure, i already yeah. got the platinum for that game sure to like revitalize the story for uh, myself so that i can do miles play. also i've already i'm not going to replay that one i think because that game's so short yeah yeah that's true like and i played through that one twice because of the new game plus trophy so I like I know that story and it's really quick anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I'm gonna play Spider-Man too, but I have to do all this before the 29th because Rebirth comes yeah, out on the 29th. And you're gonna be playing that for because I hear that game is gigantic. I pre-ordered it last night, the deluxe edition. So hell yeah, brother! <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, do you have more recommendations? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I want to fit those in because they sound yeah. interesting. Well, and if you're talking about um, games that are easy to platinum, Spider-Man Two is a very easy platinum. Like I, heard I said, like, I platinum. I've heard it, so. it's like free. You, you just, just play, you play the game. You play the game. Yeah. If you do everything in the game. Yeah, there are a few things with like, oh, I need to consciously do these couple things, but but they're they're very easy. Very easy. It is just like high five 10 New Yorkans or something. Yeah, something, something, you know, similar stuff to that where it's just like really (laughs) easy stuff and then suddenly you have a platinum. It's very easy. Sure, I'm down for that. Um, My last recommendation uh, I don't know if we ever talked about this film or ever recommended it or anything, but I recently watched once again The Batman. And I really, really. I have another thing I want to recommend, but you go first. I really want to recommend this movie to anybody that hasn't seen it, anybody that has any any trepidation or has any concern, one with the casting of Robert Pattinson or any of the other castings, if it sort of lives up to the Nolan movies, things like that. I want to put your mind at ease. One, I think it is futile to compare this to the Nolan movies because they are very different. The Nolan movies are crime thrillers. They are big, um, large crime thrillers that have to deal with like the mob and all these things. And while a lot of these sort of carry over into the, the Batman, they're very different focused. The The Batman is a detective noir movie. It is very different stylistically. The characters are very different. 
honestly, if back, if like the character names are kind of the only similarities between these two sets of films, they're very, very different. So if you look at it from its own lens, if you're looking at this movie, I think it does on-screen Batman, just Batman, probably better than any other live-action Batman movie. I think it does Batman really, really, really well. I think Batman has a really interesting arc in it. I think the movie is really beautifully shot. I think it has... Contrary to what people say, a really great score. I think it is haunting. I think it really matches the tone of the movie. I think there are a lot of really uh, interesting visual set pieces that are... um, I really like its play on color and using really cold and really warm colors to um, to kind of... make you feel the scene. Um, I think the introduction of the Batmobile in that movie is one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like I, I really like their take on the Batmobile. Um, yeah, I just really like the movie. I think the movie just has it. You know, it just has that. It has, you know, the sauce. It has the the spice, the magic. It just has it. Um, and I really like the film. I did see one movie that wasn't Godzilla Ooh. recently. Oh. oh, yeah. Let's talk Wait, about yeah. this one. I, I saw some movies, too. When I did saw you this see? Movie. I saw this. I, yeah. I know what he's going to talk yeah. about. American Fiction. Yeah. That was not it. Yeah, yeah. so American Fiction uh, starring Jeffrey Wright, a lieutenant, or not lieutenant. It was Gordon. Gordon, Gordon. in the uh, He's Detective in Gordon. The Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the Batman. I think he's Detective Gordon. In the yeah. Movie. He's not he's commissioner not yet. yet. Um, the Watcher on What If. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he's the lead. What it. door? What door? Yeah. If you know, you know. Yep. Anyway, so Jeffrey Wright, he's a um, he plays an author. Uh, he's like an English professor and an author, and it's a it's a very funny satire. Uh, the, he he's written several books, none of them are huge hits, and you know he's talking to his literary agent, and publishers don't want to buy his books, and they're telling the literary agent they want a quote unquote black book because Jeffrey Wright is African-American. Um, and he's uh, and he's and his point of view is, these books I write are black books because they are my books and I am black. Yeah. Uh, um, but he ends up just kind of to kind of stick it to them. He writes what he thinks is like this big stereotypical idea of what white people want out of a black book, you know, you know where it's like, oh, this guy doesn't have a father and his drugs and all this other stuff. And he, he calls it my pathology. (laughs) Um, And it becomes a massive success and he is so upset about it, Um, (laughs) but it's very clever. Uh, And meanwhile, there's also a whole family drama that's going along with it. But it's funny as well. It's kind of sad, but kind of funny. Sterling K. Brown plays his brother. Sterling K. Brown, who I will watch in anything. He is just an incredible actor. So good. Uh, They were both nominated uh, Jeffrey Wright for Best Lead Actor and Sterling K. Brown for Best Supporting Actor for the Oscars. Uh, This is also nominated for... Uh, best screenplay and best picture and I think probably director also maybe I don't know um, a couple other things but yeah highly recommend it it's very good it's very funny um, I th- you and I had the same experience I think of watching it yes. in an art theater uh, full of old white patrons of the arts who are laughing at every joke but it's like uh, kind uh, of the butt of the joke too. yes though. it was really it was surreal watching would it. you see it at the Enzian? yes yeah. oh my gosh that's funny but it but it is a very good movie yeah. and, and and what i like about it it's a satire it has a point of view um but it is 
trying to make you laugh. Like it is oh, yeah. funny. It like it remembers to be funny and not mm-hmm. just kind of high five you for thinking the right things or anything like that. Like it's good. I haven't seen that. I don't know if I'd recommend this, but I saw Poor Things and I enjoyed it. Oh, I I really want to see that. I'm I don't know if I go to see as far this as recommending it because it's like nothing is wrong with weird. I embrace my weird. I am a fan of weird, but Poor Things might not be the weird for everybody. So I don't know if I'd recommend it, but I mean, I had fun watching it. Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo. It's a very strange movie. It's it's basically like. I don't even know how to describe it. Did you see it? It's Frankenstein. Yeah, it's sort of. It's a playoff of Frankenstein. It's sexy Frankenstein. Yeah. Not to be confused with Lady Frankenstein, the forthcoming movie from Diablo Cody. Yeah, it's like a. It's like. I don't know. There's a lot of sex in it, which yeah. is maybe part of why I don't know if I'd recommend it because it's like uncomfortable. It's a good thing to know going in. Yeah, it's uncomfortable sex most of the time, mm. but. It makes sense for the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I laughed a lot, um, and it's a very pretty movie. It's one of those really weirdly pretty movies. Mm-hmm. Like, there's transitions between some of the scenes where, like, it will be a like a card in between the scene that says where they're going now, oh. and on the card is like Emma Stone's character riding on a fish. <laughs> For why I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sold now. Yeah. I was I was halfway there yeah. now. All in. Yeah. I'm tapped. Yeah. Good for you. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash assembly required. Email the show, assembly requiredcast at gmail.com. That's gonna do it for myself. For Chris. For Peaches. We love you three thousand. Bye everybody. Excelsior. Bobbly bobbly. Run for-